0: Spoiler alert! And now they're on bed show. Stars. Now. No, no, no,
1: no, this sucker's
2: electrical.
0: But I need a nuclear reaction to to generate the 1.21 gigawatts of electricity. What
3: did I just say? The
0: flux capacity stores... (laughs) (laughs) This sucker's electrical. But I need a nuclear reaction to to generate the 1.21 gigawatts of electricity. 1.21
1: gigawatts! 1.21 gigawatts! Please, stop! (laughs) Yeah. <laughs>
4: You've just qualified to win an instant prize. Please fill out your contact information.
5: Oh, buddies, it's the Rana Fez Show on a Tuesday. Uh, You, of course, are listening to Frozen, Rana Fez. We had to pre-tape this because I'm still in Grand Jury. But I'm in the last week of my month of Grand Jury. Some of your calls, of course, frozen overnight. And we'll be able to take them now. Let's go over here to... um, Let's go to Grant. Grant, you're on the run of Fez show.
6: Hey, Ronnie, how you doing? Good. Hey, I had a question for Fez. Yes. Hey, Fez, uh, Sunday night they had a uh, the Dateline, uh, What Would You Do special, the hidden camera show. It was just dealing with um,
7: bullying uh, and homosexuals and uh, how you would react. I was just wondering if you uh, got a chance to catch
8: that. I did not see that one. Too many things uh, going on Sunday night.
9: That was a good one. You missed out.
8: Let me guess, the kids failed?
9: Um, a lot of kids, they uh, took a a real uh, gay guy and uh, threw him in there with a bunch of teenagers and um, see what the kids would do, and um, most of them stepped in and uh, stood up for him. I was surprised.
5: You know, the weird thing about that show is, I thought the last thing we'd want is our kids taped and then judged by a national audience, and yet that fucking show does it constantly.
0: That's nice to people. What are you talking about?
5: It's just bizarre. It's absolutely bizarre. All right, thanks, Grant. Thank um,
8: you. That's why I was glad like people like Chris Rock and Tina Fey came out against uh, Tracy Morgan over this past weekend. Saying that that is just unacceptable behavior, what he did in that comedy club.
5: Which is what, Fez? Set the table for us for... Everybody who doesn't know exactly what you're talking about or are holding on to it as deeply as you.
8: While, he, while Tracy Morgan was uh, performing in a Nashville comedy club. A he, national comedy club? A Nashville comedy club. Oh, Nashville. Yeah. He um, went on an anti-gay tirade and saying that if his son came home and said that he was gay, he would stab him. Right. So, and then Tina Fey came out and said it's unacceptable. At first, Chris Rock defended him and then took that back and said I didn't realize exactly what he had said.
5: And what was Chris Rock's last line? So now let me go to the Tonys without beating me up. Which was his way of saying, I'm getting bullied in my Broadway world.
8: Yeah, that shouldn't happen either. So, but it just, I'm glad to see Tracy Morgan doesn't seem to be getting away with this. I still think he should be doing a PSA against bullying on NBC.
5: Who would pay for that?
8: Well, NBC has to do, uh, well, Tracy Morgan would pay for it.
5: Do you know how much a commercial would cost you on television to run a national commercial? And why, why should we even just say don't bully uh, gay kids? Shouldn't you also say don't bully kids with braces?
0: Yeah, why they get singled out for all the great treatment?
5: Don't bully kids with thick glasses or one eye?
0: Poor Cyclops, looking motherfuckers.
5: You know they're going to get the Cyclops name. All right, there. We talked it out. Let's go over here to... Uh, is, oh, that's Rowan Long Island, our very good friend.
3: Hey, guys, how you doing? Are you there?
5: Yes, we are.
3: Okay, listen. Um, I was listening to the show yesterday afternoon, mm-hmm. and the thing that I thought of with Fez, it seems over the years, he's isolated himself and pushed away anybody that really can't, you know, all his friends. And it seems to me that in order for someone to heal in general, you need to be able to surround yourself with people that you love and people that you trust to help lift you up and, you know, move you forward. And I think The advice show. I know, alright, play the founder. <laughs> but, that, but that's how I feel about it. I mean, I don't know, Fez. I mean, I know you've isolated a lot of people, but, you know,
8: I'm yeah, sure. Yeah, I, 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 oh, I end up uh, spending a lot of time alone. You're absolutely
3: right, Ro. Yeah, that don't help. That don't help. But don't you want to spend time alone?
8: Um, no, I would like to meet somebody, but I, I, I don't go
3: out and I don't do it. Just, yeah.
8: it's just awful. It's just stupid what I do.
3: Anyway, so, uh, Ron, I am reading the book, 2030. Oh,
8: good. We're going to be having the book club.
3: Else. Yep. Pretty good so far. So the book club,
8: forward. Fez. I'm reading 2030 by Albert Brooks on Facebook. And, of course, you can go to Two friends on Twitter and get the link there.
5: We're making um, this the official Father's Day gift of the run of Fez show. I know I want to get one. Hicks, you want to get one from your illegitimate kids? Oh. It's really just your illegitimate wife picking it out for you and putting the kids' names on it. Uh, so then, Ro, we will do an hour on this on the air, and we'll do call-ins, and maybe even have a couple of people come in, and uh, we'll have a little book club. Where the hell do you live? In a bird sanctuary,
3: Ro? Yeah, I'm in my backyard. Actually, I was just cleaning up poop when I called.
5: Oh, you pooped yourself?
3: <laughs> yeah, you know, the old poop is scoop deal Oh, okay. It's, it's practically half my life, you know.
5: Uh, all I hear is birds going crazy there.
3: Well, I'm in my backyard. Isn't that nice?
5: Huh. I guess I don't even know what birds that sound like pigeons sound like anymore. Yeah, well. All right, so Ro would like you, Fez, for the advice show, oh,
3: to make more your friends and hold them You know, the friends that you've pushed away, you. I'm sure well, that they would love to be there yeah. for you. I know Mikey D would come back in a heartbeat. I'm sure they would love to be there for you. I know Mikey D would come back in a heartbeat. It's not going to happen. You can go out with groups of people. You don't have to seek out people that you want to seek out. Just go out and enjoy yourself and have fun. Thank you, Ro. Oh yeah, See, I think you're rolling your eyes right now. For
5: yeah, it. yeah. He just pu-
3: he just pushed. I know, you away. I know. He pushed
8: you push away. He pushed the
3: button on me. That's
8: cool. Got it. Take he, care. Bye bye. He just hurt hurt Rose's feelings. I didn't mean to, but I understand what she's saying, and I and I know I should be doing that, and I haven't been doing it.
5: You're really sobbing today, huh? Yeah. It's not a good day.
8: No, it's a it's a rough one. What happened? What
5: happened, Buckaroo? Somebody say something mean?
8: No, I, a nervous day.
5: Where's the give and take, buddy? Well, open up. What's going on? What's happening there?
8: I, 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 I sorry. I, I have to go get those shots in a little bit. What shots? I uh, start those insulin shots. That's got you crying? It just got me nervous.
5: Um why would you schedule it when we're doing the recording of the show when you got 8 hours free time in the in the morning
8: because this was I made the appointment like 6 weeks ago and then um if I don't take this appointment they told me that I had to wait another month you couldn't get to,
5: moved in the mornings
8: they didn't have anything even in a month's time they didn't have anything in the morning I tried I called So I was just kind of stuck with that appointment. You believe him, Hicks?
0: I oh, don't know. Those are a lot of days in a month. I mean, it seems like it. A lot of hours in a day.
5: <laughs> and then you push her away? Well, I didn't mean
8: to push her away. I thanked her.
5: Yeah, but the way you said it. It was, was short. You were short with her, and you were just like, I know I should be. And then you just, like, it turns into a yell.
8: Oh, I didn't mean to do that. I apologize, bro. She's not here now. She's
5: with those birds somewhere along Island now. She wants you to make it up with Mikey D. You
8: don't want us to call him? No, I don't want you to call Mikey How D.
5: How are you going to move forward if you don't do this? If you don't surround yourself with Mikey D.
8: Yeah, that's uh, that's just I'm I I've tried making up with him several times in the past. There's always something that comes up. Where he gets upset, then I get upset, and I don't think it's healthy to try to do that
5: mm. uh Ken, Ken you're on the run Fez show?
6: Hey, hey, Fezzi, did you have such a hard time saying uh standalone fruit because that's what kids used to yell at you in the lunch line?
5: Well, play that uh piece for us again. the standalone fruit. Let's see if something comes back there.
0: You're on a health food kick. I guess so, yeah.
8: Now, the blueberry is one that can't work on its own. It has to have something with it, like the kiwi. It's uh, not a a standal- stand-alone fruit.
5: Now, he always says that he's panicked there, but I don't hear panic.
0: I hear depression. Yeah, the sec- when he when he first starts "standalone," and then he just very reservedly says "standalone fruit," and that's the
5: part that that's
0: just the soul crushing part. Yeah,
5: that's the part that became famous. Uh, again, why don't you play the intern's song about it? Now, all the years that we've done radio, not to used to an intern making a song about the host, but uh, that's where we are these days. So here's the new no name intern about the host.
10: Cause I'm good
8: work on its own, it has to have something with it, like the kiwi. It's, a, it's not a, a stand standalone stand fruit.
5: That's the uh, No Names Interns uh, new big hit song, uh, of course, called Blueberry Fields uh come on in here no name by the way you should have a name by this point yeah i don't know what my name is though you don't know what it is and yet you were able to come up with a song about the host not only just played on our show but also on the o n a show
7: i heard yeah
5: and i heard uh that they said they'd love to have you as their intern um obviously they're not allowed to yeah. have interns no one knows why yikes I would think they would be allowed to have guy interns, but not even that?
0: Nope, nothing. It's a fucking boycott.
5: That's crazy. Um, But here's the problem. When you're riding high like you are now, and I know that you're hearing accolades from everywhere. People are loving you. There's also going to be pot shots taken at you. And Fez runs with a brother by the name of Fred Brooklyn. And Fred Brooklyn has put together a song. As a rebuttal. These are like the early 60s would have those answer songs. Yeah, yeah. So this is an answer song to Blueberry Field. Let's take a listen.
9: On his first day as an intern. Wrote a parody song about Fez. How blueberries were a standalone fruit. Trying to fuck with Fez. The next thing he did was answer some phones and some general running around. He thought Julie was hot. Then he heard rolling cry. He watched Pepper level the sound. He is the intern that has no name. Compared to Scruffy, I think he's lame. For no money, day after day. like the grand house kid, he will fade away.
5: That's Fred Bru- Brooklyn uh, with a rebuttal. Using creativity, not just anger or sadness, but coming back. With a bit, Fred intern. This puts you in the position now. Yeah. Uh, no name. That was pretty good. Yeah, it was good. It, it was great. I and think then, it
8: put you in your place.
5: The weird thing is, I actually think that he had America singing the actual backup on that. So now your problem is do you do a song about Fred Brooklyn? And it has in the history of music, there have been an answer song. To an answer song, which I don't think there has been. Not this deep, Ronnie B. Yeah. Wow, this is like an
10: authentic Paul and John relationship. Just it answering is. just answering It's songs. got into
5: that. But it's almost like if George would say, wait, I'll stick up for Paul. Where Paul just sat there and felt sad about it. It's almost like Brian Epstein maybe went, no, let me. I got some stuff down. Now, are you a one hit wonder? You did the one song. You, you don't have anything else for us? No, yeah, I got stuff. You, you've got other songs? Yeah. Is there anything that you've finished yet? No, there's something I'm going to finish. It's actually an attack on a Radio Shark. All right, so now you're leaving the battle that you're out now and but taking I, it on I'm, Radio Shark. Now that I've heard this, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to take it on. All right, Hicks, I see you jumping up and down in the other room. I don't know why Alfie's being,
0: you know, like this. He Hold has. Hold on. Excuse me. Did we oh, just inter- name him? No, name. Inter- no, inter- did, no if name. we
5: named him Alfie, no, I'll inter- do a inter- What's inter- It inter- All inter- About Alfie. No, it's inter- <laughs> a no, inter- no name. I'm only just say to Fred Brooklyn, if you can come <laughs> up with a What's It All About Alfie, and if, as if you can watch them do that, we'll be popping this thing over and over. Alfie's a fucking fine name. Hicks <laughs> might have just named you. What do you, what do you want Alfie
0: to do? He has some pieces. Right Who's that, no, Alfie? Inter with no name. No, Alfie. You inter said with no name. It's inter with no name. Mm-hmm. I don't know. I'm talking crazy at this point. All right. So what is your point? He's got some stuff. He gave it to me. I don't know why he's
10: not. Well, I, I got the uh, the. We got the. Uh, I made the parody version of it. Makes
11: me fez.
5: Oh, so this is the song Fez did. I believe 20 years ago, Fez?
11: Yeah, about that. About 20 years ago. And this is, it makes me old, Fez. Like the, like, kind of like the old version of Fez, lively. Okay.
5: So this would be like what Fez should do to get back to being old, Fez. In a way, yeah. All right. So let's take a listen. <laughs> Alfie's just putting this out right now. Alfie's on top of everything. And this is, it makes me old, Fez.
11: You wanna settle down in a boring, quaint, white suburban town? You may be tired of the stampede of man, but no, not me, cause it makes me old fez. When I go out, all the boys are lining up like a five-star buffet, I can eat them all up. They give me quite a stiffy and they get me soaking wet, but that's just me, and it makes me old fez. To like Sex in the City, it makes me old fizz. To like it in my honey it makes me old fizz. That everyone is fond of. It makes me old fizz to be a top and a bot And there's black ones, white ones, Asian ones too. But I like me my Latinos fresh and hot like cappuccino. And I won't stop, I'll let it go right to my head. I told you once before, and it makes me old fizz. It makes me old fizz. Makes me old, Fez. It makes him old, Fez. Makes me old, Fez. It makes him old, Fez. Yeah, old Fez. All right, uh,
5: Hicks. What do you think about Alfie's uh, song there? I think he's got another hair in his hands. Yeah, it's definitely, I think, an improvement of what Fez. Uh, used to do with his thing, but you've kind of put it in a new millennium. Yeah. You've kind of made it, in a way, you've really kind of fergied this thing up a little bit. Yep. It's a reimagining, okay. I like call it. Did, yeah. Was I crazy or did I feel like a Keisha <laughs> influence there? There's a TikTok sound in there. <laughs> yeah, Ron? all sure. right. All right, good. Um, all right, so it's all happening. Now, who knows whether Fred Brooklyn is going to answer that song or the other song, but I've never seen anybody be sitting on Gunslingers row so fast. And I hate to say it, but Pips and Spanky, right now, you've left those guys in the dust. Are you aware of that? In terms of where you can get as an intern? Uh, uh yeah. I mean, I'm aware of it. You've broken <laughs> out of the gates and you're moving, Alfie.
0: Got some confidence, man. Come no, on.
5: no. Hey, it's about Alfie right <laughs> okay. now. Not okay. My right. Oh. All right. So be ready with your Radio Shark song. I'm sure he'll do a rebuttal. Be careful at all times. All right? People are going to be gunning for you. Yeah. All right, Alfie. Go back there and grab the phones. Uh, I understand Laura from the booking department has stopped in here to see us. yes, she has. Are you going to bring her in to tell Laura I love him? Good. Tell Laura I love know that uh, tell Laura I love her part but what the hell happened why was he late did he die he was probably just a jerk. No, I think he was dying. I don't think she was getting messed up. By the way, th- something going on with your voice today?
12: Yes, I finally figured out what it is. This is the best it sounded in like a week and a half. Uh-huh. Um, I apparently have what's commonly known as laryngitis, but what I didn't ever realize is actually an infection of the larynx. Yeah. Um, I think most people just say laryngitis and it means like I can't talk or I yelled too much at a concert last no. night. But what I have is antibiotic requiring... Uh, it's voice a voice box infection. It's ve- a
5: very mild form of HIV. <laughs> you actually have a sexually transmitted disease. Wow. Yeah. So you got that going for you. You uh, got that going for you. Laura, it's great to see you. I wanted to get the opportunity to talk to you. Because Sunday night was your night.
12: Oh my gosh, was it wasn't <laughs> ever. That's the
5: Tony's night. Now, in my opinion, the Tony's used to be One of the dullest shows on TV.
12: Not last night. No no
5: one knows who anyone is, what they're talking about. Last night, or Sunday night, as we could say. Yes, Sunday night. Looked like it was bigger than the Oscars to me. Bigger stars, bigger stuff going
12: on. Well, um... First of all, I mean, it's, it's much easier to watch the Tony's if you live in New York or have had another opportunity to see most of the shows. It's always been like that. Last year, I think they tried to appeal to the crowds that haven't seen any of the shows, like Scarlett Johansson won an award and Catherine Zeta Jones won an award and everybody in the Broadway community. I can't say everyone, Mm -hmm. but there was a lot of buzz about like, really? Were those the best performances? Are you just trying to cater to? Were they the the best performances
5: or were they being catered to?
12: you know, thinking back to last year, I actually really liked Catherine zeta joness performance in uh, uh, A Little Night Music, but I saw it very early in the run, and I heard that she faded off a little bit. Uh-huh. Um, uh, so I, I wouldn't have necessarily given, I, I might have given it to her, but I, I don't know, Scarlett Johansson was good, but I wasn't that moved. But this year, the the actors who won mm-hmm. were, for the most part, Broadway stars, not Hollywood stars, but they still managed to bring this Hollywood-esque glamour and excitement. And the people who won were truly enthusiastic, and even if you hadn't heard of them or seen their shows, it was fun to watch. Not to mention the performances, which were ridiculous.
5: Ridiculous! Uh, you're in a hurry. You can't say ridiculous. What? You oh just no! Say I ridic. Just, no, I, I just sometimes uh, abbreviate things. It just seemed like "ridic" means that you're getting another penis. To me, <laughs> I need to be "ridic." <laughs> you're cock. What's all right? You don't have ridiculous. to. Say thing. oh Sorry. Uh, in the, a thing about you. Right, so it's ridiculous.
12: I abbreviate a lot of things. Like if one of my friends had been seeing a new guy and they just decided to become boyfriend and girlfriend, I'd be like, "It's a fish."
5: Oh, and, you know, uh, and What's like, that for you, like official? Like like, oh, I thought there were two fish.
12: A fish? Yeah, get it now? <laughs> yes, that would just be I, mean one fish. though. So a
5: fish. Let's do this. If it's official, instead of saying it's a fish, let's just say it's nemo We'll just Nemo <laughs> that fucker. It's been nemo <laughs> Because we really oh. do need our own language.
12: Okay. Well, Tire in England, English. I feel like they do that. They they'll have they'll have a word for something that rhymes with something else that it right. actually means and you like what? well i learned this the
5: other day from uh, a friend of mine who teaches inner school children so pepper i mean you're going to inner give me- school children yeah so they're in the school oh no i meant inner city school children see if
12: you're going to make fun of the way i talk i'm going to make fun of the way you talk
5: i don't know what you mean by that i didn't <laughs> make fun of you but i was just trying to explain it to you where you on the other hand turned on me yeah. like i was a fucking terrorist why attack should we cut all this out of the show, all the meanness, or keep it in?
0: <laughs> I've been dumping out, don't worry.
5: Good, thank you. Um, so if, like, Pep, you just let me know that your name is Pepper. This is what the intercity school children say. So if I say, what's your name? Pepper. What's your government? And that is, what is the name that you have to give the cops? So everybody has, <laughs> like, a street what's name. Your government? A slang name, and then you say, what's your government?
12: Wow. Mine are the same, I guess.
5: Yours are, but do you have an online name? An online name? Yeah, like do you have like a, a name that you go on messages bo- boards no. like L Dog Forty Three or
0: something?
5: <laughs> you could call me L Dog Forty Three. I like L Dog Forty Three. Is your age? I didn't know. When I heard L Dog Forty Three, I wondered where it all came from. I was born in nineteen forty-three. actually. Oh my god, that's great! <laughs> a war baby. You hear it? Daddy's coming home. He just beat Hitler. Now, let's get back to, uh, I think, the Tonys. Here's the really big story. The South Park sweep mm-hmm. of the Tonys. Two things happened. Did anybody think
12: it was going to be this big? That It was that head and shoulders above all the other shows? Before it came to Broadway, I think people were like, we'll see. But from the moment that it started performances, I think mm-hmm. yes. I think every single review has been fantastic. And did you see Chris Rock presented the award for Best Musical? Mm-hmm. and? The way that he introduced it was like, do we even need to open the envelope? Right. Everybody knows what it's going to be. And I think that there was, even before the awards started last night, people were like, does anybody else have a chance? And it's too bad because there were some great shows this year that I think could have won in that category in past years. You know, there was a really high bar this year.
5: Well, here's what Matt and Trey did I thought was so great. Because they weren't regular Broadway guys. Not at all. They came to Broadway, unlike Bono. Mm-hmm. Unlike Paul Simon, uh, when those guys came to Broadway, they tried to break the rules a little bit. These guys did an edgy show, but it really didn't break Broadway rules. As a matter of fact, they come off seeming like two Broadway guys. Well,
12: I mean, if you follow their careers, they've never done Broadway before, but... The South Park movie, bigger right. longer and uncut, was, was a musical. It was a musical and not just a movie with music. It followed an incredibly traditional Broadway arc. Do the you, only difference is that it was a cartoon and not on stage, but those guys know their stuff. You and think I think they'll like do that as a stage show one day not that one no i think i mean that's coming on i think that they will continue to write musicals i hope they do but you're right they took what they do best which is sort of satire and naughty language uh-huh. and they paired it with the perfect traditional broadway storyline and i, I hey, thought it was totally Did brilliant. you see them accept at all?
0: I saw them accept for the best musical
5: yeah.
12: The other thing is that
5: Trey is very broadway even down to well, the shirt yeah, and yeah. The, Oh, this is
12: fantastic. Oh, yeah. But he did that as a joke.
8: He did? I think so. I don't think so. He was all teared up like the Broadway winners. Well, it's a big it
12: deal, dream. but I don't think the sparkly shirt... I think that he was kind of making fun of himself.
5: What about his, the way he just sounds all of a sudden? Now, here's the other I thing that, I, that. I, I want to go back and talk about. Because somebody that could have been... Um, Except, uh, well, put out there, South Park could have been put out there many times as anti gay, and people could have been upset with them, you know, some of the jokes that were done on the show. And yet, those get that gay Broadway audience accepted them completely.
12: Well, here's the thing. Uh- First of all, I think that when Paul Simon came to Broadway, he at least fully immersed himself in doing it. Bono and the Edge like they came in to write the music for Spider-Man, but they weren't the creative forces behind the show. You know, they they weren't even in New York for a lot of the the show's right. uh, integral time periods, but Matt and Trey moved here. They wrote the show, Trey directed the show, and they were it was their baby, their brainchild. I mm-hmm. think that Paul Simon did that too he just didn't do it as well
5: yeah but he also did a thing where we're going to show broadway what to do and i'm bringing outside people yeah and, that's true you know i don't know i, I think, I think that show off. got
12: got was underrated i recently i summer love the they, music last summer they did it in central park as part of well yeah. they call it shakespeare in the park even though it's obviously not shakespeare but um it, and i thought it was fantastic i, I saw it was too bad that i that saw when
5: happen. they did it over bam a few years ago mm-hmm. And they basically just did some line readings and all the songs from it. Yeah. The songs are phenomenal. They are. And yet, Broadway, shut up on poor song.
12: It's a musical about, and we're talking about the Cape Man, by the way. It's a musical about murder. And it's about this guy, like the protagonist of the show isn't a sympathetic character. i have to think of Sweeney Todd. That's about murder. But that's a comedy.
5: Oh, it is? I just thought it was...
12: It's about a woman who makes dead bodies into pies and then serves them to people. I mean, that's funny. I thought it was supposed to be
5: hard. It is? (laughs) I sit on a grand jury and I see things like that in real life. Oh, my gosh. All right. So here's what you're saying. Broadway bigger than ever.
12: Mm -hmm, Absolutely. This is the highest grossing year in Broadway yeah, it's history 250 well it's to get a true ticket. Book of Mormon tickets were raised as of this morning the ticket prices were raised um, Jesus they have non-premium seats are $155 unless you want an aisle seat it's $181 and you have to buy two you have to buy the aisle and the one next to it
5: good and we then you can get premium
12: aisle. seats which if you want them for a Saturday or Sunday I mean a Friday or Saturday um, there's $350 a piece and people are paying.
0: I got in at a buck thirty-five. Huh? Well, Were you on the aisle though? Uh, no, I wasn't on the aisle.
12: You know how much you, I paid feel- to see it? I saw it twice at thirty-six dollars.
0: How'd you work that out?
12: Because they have a ticket lottery where if you go an hour, oh, two hours that. before the show, yeah. you'll see a huge crowd out there, and, I've seen that. and anybody can enter to to quote unquote win, um, but they're front row seats and. I think they draw like 10 names, and each person gets two tickets at $36, but they're in the front row. And I went on the very first preview. My brother was in town for one day and got picked. And then um, I went back at the end of April, and just, even though there were like 250 people there, randomly got chosen.
5: How many seats go out of those 250 people?
12: 20 seats. They only draw 10 names. 20
5: seats. So you got barely any goddamn chance.
12: Well... If you're only in town for one day and you really want to see it, I wouldn't, I wouldn't suggest going the lottery route. But for me, the theater for Book of Mormon, the Eugene O'Neill, is less than a block from right. the office, and it's on my walk home anyway. So, and it the show starts at eight most days, seven other days, but between five and six is when I'm walking home from work anyway. So it's easy enough for me to just stop by, throw my name in, and hope I get picked. And if I don't, I try again tomorrow. And I could just keep going. It just so happens that I've been extremely lucky and gotten picked two of the three times I've gone.
5: I've walked by there a couple of times and just seen people go crazy. They stand in all the street. It's a very because almost dangerous. Because there
12: isn't room enough to yeah. stand in front of the theater. Now the those, sidewalk is completely
5: packed. Those are South Park fans that are there for those tickets. But Mm-mm. the people showing up don't seem like, they seem like a Broadway
12: I don't think it's specifically South Park fans. I do think it's an age and income thing, though. Yeah. Because, you know, if you think of South Park fans as, you know, in their late teens, 20s and 30s, then... Yeah, those are the same people who don't have the income to spend $150 a ticket. But I don't think that they're necessarily coming to the show because of South Park. Maybe at the beginning, but now, especially after the Tonys, it's going to be Broadway people. Anybody who rejected it as like a silly, crass thing, like Mm -hmm. you can't do that anymore. Not after It's not like they just won Best Musical. They won eight awards. They were nominated for 14, so they didn't... Literally sweep. They
5: didn't pull producers. They're not as big as producers.
12: um, I think for its time, the producers was probably bigger, but they're comparable. Producers uh, gained a lot of headlines for raising their prices because they were the first show to go over $100 a ticket. Is
5: this show bigger than Fiddler on the Roof? Is it bigger than that?
12: You can't know yet.
5: It's the biggest. Is this bigger than Cats right
12: now? (laughs) I'll tell you in 30 years.
5: Did you ever see cats?
12: No, I never saw cats. New York ever has. Well, it's because I I moved to New York in 2005, Mm -hmm. and I only really became I grew up going to the theater in San Francisco, and a lot of the big Broadway shows did come there, but that was sort of at my parents' discretion. Since 2007, I have seen I would guess between 85 and 95 percent of the shows, plays, and musicals. You like new shows.
5: You like the, I do
12: like new shows, but I like revivals, too. I mean, yeah. Anything Goes won last night for Best Revival of a Musical, and I thought it was fantastic. It's a little bit dated. There's a kind of racist storyline, but I really That's what liked I liked it.
5: about it. Now, the thing about Anything Goes, is it true? Does Anything Go there?
12: On that boat that they're on? In the, yeah. I think so, yeah. Yeah, that's got to
5: be, what, almost 100 years old?
12: Oh, my gosh. No, I guess he's 70 years old, 60 years old. Yeah, Cole Porter. Cole Porter was pre... Was he pre-war, right? Pre-World War II. I don't know. I feel dumb when you ask me things like that.
5: I want you just to know everything before you come in here. I will tell you, you you can
12: ask me pretty much anything about Broadway between 2007 and 2011. (laughs) What we're going to do is I'm going to get a... uh,
5: My guys are going to put together a Broadway test.
12: Oh, no. From 2009 to
5: 2011. And before you leave here... I'm gonna go over this with you. Uh, some people said they felt bad that Jim Belushi didn't get nominated this year. That he was really good.
12: He was good, but th- again, the pool of actors and shows was so so great. Yeah. And I, I don't. I think Jim Belushi was good, and I have nothing bad to say about his performance. There were just other performances that were more noteworthy.
5: Mm. Where where did this go? He just.
12: I think he's going to like, come up with the most random questions he possibly can that I can't possibly know to make me look dumb.
5: I don't think that you're going to look dumb. I'm just going to think that you're going to look like a liar that you said that you know all these shows. But you do go to these shows. I
12: go to about, I go to between two and three Broadway shows a week. And you'll even go alone to a show, right? Oh, yeah, all the time. I went to, to the first preview of Anything Goes by myself.
5: Hmm. And how much do you normally pay for a ticket?
12: Um it varies widely but oh. I would say it averages about $50 because uh, maybe even less maybe more like 35 because occasionally I can get tickets through work not as often as I'd like but occasionally Why aren't you do. the
5: Broadway person here?
12: I actually am now. Then why don't they just give you tickets to everything? More and more they are but there are certain shows that you know like Book of Mormon didn't do any press tickets. Mm. And I had already seen it by then. Anyway, that's the other thing, is that press night usually comes the last week of previews. And I would say previews generally run three to five weeks. So I want to see it before that. I like to go to the very first performance. How's that? Um, I think that part of it is just that I'm so excited about new stuff. Part of it is that there are so many shows coming out that I feel like I need to like cross them off my list as soon as I can. What
5: is the, You're starting to get obsessive about this, though. You're it like, is a
12: little bit OCD. It is. Yeah. Yeah. It's like collecting something. You know, when you have a collection, you want it to be complete. You want to do everything. There's great pride in being able to say, I've seen every single show on Broadway. And the truth is, I can't say that right now because I haven't seen Sister Act yet. It's the only show currently running I haven't and seen. And
5: when you see that, you're going to feel complete. You'll finally be able to rest at night.
12: Yeah. But then Masterclass is opening at the Friedman Theater. I never in even a, heard a of this. Weeks. Masterclass? Yeah. Oh, it's the Maria Callas story. It's a mm-hmm. revival.
5: Mm-hmm. Hey, are you familiar with it? No, not at all.
12: It's about classical music. Like, uh, I've got an it's idea. It's definitely not the, the South Park audience. Has anyone ever really
5: done an animal act on Broadway? Because I have an idea called Guys and Dogs. And it's really just you're bringing animals out.
12: Actually, this year there were two significant animal acts on Broadway War Horse. War Horse was one. That's and not a... Bengal Tiger at the Baghdad Zoo. By the way. And that... the tiger was played by Robin Williams.
5: That war. Horse thing is one of the most amazing things I've ever seen in my life. I don't know how they do it. I don't. I don't know how they pull it off. But that puppet, I guess, is it technically a puppet? It is.
12: It's a puppet that's run by three actors.
5: I've never seen anything look so real in my life, and I don't know why my eyes start to go away from the actual people
12: running it. I'll look. I'll see them at first, and then I just focus on the horse puppet. I think it's amazing. Did you just see it on TV, or did you see it? I only saw it on TV. Okay, so. Here's one of the, the reasons that I think that you don't look at the people running it. First of all, a couple of the people are actually inside, so right. you know you can sort of let those fade. But there's a guy who runs the head who right. like holds it on a stick. But if it, when, when I was watching the play, I noticed this: that guy maintains eye contact with the horse the entire show. He doesn't ever break that contact. He if he looked if he put his attention toward one of the other actors or toward the audience or toward the ceiling or the set, then you'd follow his eyeline. But I think that when you look at anybody, if I look over at Fez and he's looking at his computer he's screen, back. I want to know what's on that computer screen. I follow his line of vision. But he, w- he was looking very intently at you. Then I think without realizing it, I'd want to look at you.
5: How come you don't look at me, Fez, during the show? How come you're always looking at the computer screen? That might be one of the reasons why people are going like this. When I'll be interviewing people, they go like this. Is there anything on the Internet right now? I always go, <laughs> why are they thinking that? Uh, what big guests you got coming in
12: I don't know I didn't bring my book you
5: seem like uh, are you still into the thing or is it just all about Broadway for you are you still like oh when no, you no. I'm
12: definitely I mean there's you, you have Simon Pegg coming tomorrow right no oh yes, you don't no oh well he's gonna be here
5: well, that's great for others. You never think of running Fez anymore. <laughs>
12: do I? I? The first thing I did when he was offered to me was I came to Fez and I said, do you want him for Unmasked? He said, we already had him.
5: Yeah, I know, but we only did the one movie with him for Unmasked. We could have done another movie because we just really focused on him.
12: Well, I put my foot in my mouth on bringing him up at all, but he is going to be here, and I did offer him up. Did you know that, Chris? He was on the talent Ailes. I don't know.
5: Or did you just think that we did him in his Unmasked before? My team is, as you can tell, they're being very quiet now. They're very, very weird around me. Well, I
12: wasn't trying to throw anybody under the bus. I don't know. Can we talk about Broadway again?
5: No. Now, this makes you tense? The Simon Pegg thing?
12: No, the Simon Pegg thing doesn't specifically, but... You know, sometimes there will be multiple people working on a show, and one person will say no, and I take that as a no, and then somebody else gets upset. And then I feel like if I mention that, then that's like I threw them under the bus, and then suddenly they're mad at me.
5: Is there too many people from my show talking to you? Is that it? No, not at all. Is that why we never get Simon Pegg anymore? We're <laughs> used to when we were just XM. I know, my guys haven't said a word.
8: Yeah, I had uh, well I had said what Laura t- said I said to her that we had done Unmasked with Simon Pegg. Yeah, but well, we like him for the art show. Yeah.
12: And I think I, that I think that was just a case of like before b- when I first heard I went to to Vez and said, "Hey, do you want Unmasked with Simon Pegg?" He said we already had it. Then a couple days later, I sent out the list that goes out to everybody in the building saying, "Here's who's coming up." And I don't know. I just didn't. I either didn't get a response or I filled the schedule before I got a response or whatever it was. Hmm. Do you think your listeners find this fascinating?
5: Oh, I think they love to know what happens behind the scenes.
12: I just have this deep fear that i think has hindered me a little bit that about people being mad at me i really don't like it i just i'm such a people pleaser i just want everybody to be happy with me all the time and well, sometimes you- that's i have two people who want different things and it just uh,
5: who are the two people the that that want different things who are the wh- wh- where is this tension
12: coming from it, in this room right now yeah it's not people who want different things but it's like i hear You know, it's like, I don't want to be like, well, he said this and then like put the blame on somebody because I don't know, maybe there is an email requesting it deep down inside my archived emails and I missed something. So I think it's better for me to just take responsibility than to throw anybody under the bus. But if you'd like me to try to get you some time with Simon Pegg, I'll see if I can extend his schedule.
5: Well, I'm doing. You know, why I don't did they bring
12: up Simon Pegg? Well, I don't know even what
5: what time he's coming in because I he's going to
12: be here for for a bit of the day. Yeah, he's doing get, like six shows.
5: I got jury duty all day tomorrow. No, you don't have to bend over backwards for us. But see, we also have a, a difficult time communicating, where everybody will act like. <clears throat> I don't know. Well, well you know that When like, I send is. out
12: when I send out request lists or, or guest available guest lists, they go to Chris Fez and Mark Zito. I think the only person who doesn't get them is you. Maybe
5: and, I should get them. Well, little, in huh?
12: general, that's up to you and your producing team. In general, I only deal with producers on shows, but there are some people, some talent in the building who have asked me to be included on their list.
5: Who, who's one of those people? Who's one of those people who are going, I'm going to be part of it?
12: Uh, Frank DiCaro. All
5: right, so Frank DiCaro should right now be my motto on how to bake because he's, <laughs> seriously, he's running with the devil. Um, all right, so you're now doing... Authors yep. and Broadway, mm-hmm. and what else?
12: Um, basically, anybody who's promoting something that's not a movie, a TV show, that's it. Basically, people for the talk channel. Yeah, it's it's basically anybody who's promoting a project that's not a movie, a TV show, or an album, or a concert. So it's it tends to be mostly authors, because that's what celebrities are promoting that's Mm -hmm. not TV movies and and albums. But um, sometimes it's charity events. Sometimes it's public appearances, like a talk at the New York Times or the 92nd Street Y. Sometimes it's um, like... A makeup line or whatever their pet project is. So all that stuff will get filtered to me. So it has less to do with the person and more to do with the project.
5: You know, I haven't been back to 92nd Street Y since Elaine's closed and now I don't even know if I can do that because I used to do both those things the same night. It would be 92nd Street Y then walk down the street to Elaine's and now it all seems too sad to me and I think they should shut down 92nd Street Y as a thing for Elaine Kaufman.
12: I have a confession to make.
5: You never were you never went there?
12: I don't know what it is.
5: The restaurant Alliance? Mm-mm. This was the old-time restaurant in New York for writers uh and because so many writers went there then a lot of stars started to come in. I'm going to get you a book about it. It's well When you, did it close? Just a couple weeks ago. She just died oh my gosh. in the past year. Yeah, it was like um I thought
12: you were going to say like, you know, 1994.
5: No. You ever saw the movie Manhattan with Woody Allen? The opening shot. If I
12: did, it was a long time ago, and I don't remember it.
5: Yeah, the opening shot was Elaine's. He ate ate there every night, Woody Allen, for 10 years. Wow. Every single night for 10 years. Cool. Now, I know none of my guys want to talk about this RBI thing, how we don't stay in with it.
8: Well, what I do, I deal with Laura for unmasked. So, um, you know, I I don't... I don't email her back on that because I don't want to send more than one email on the same thing. I
12: think that what often happens with you guys Mm -hmm. is that I do get requests from Chris, and and he sends them to me after he's had a meeting with you to go over them all. But when I send those lists out, I've got to get back to people pretty quickly. So I always wait 24 hours from the time I send the email to get... To let everybody who has a show here or produces a show here have an equal amount of time, whether they do a morning show or a night show, to look at it. And then basically 24 hours after I send that email back, after I send that email out, I consolidate all the requests and I send them to the publicist. And we fill up the schedules. And if requests come in after that, then I can fill in the gaps where there are gaps. But if it takes...
5: We seem like the late guys, If you. it
12: takes, Chris, three days to sit down with you, then I'm getting your requests after the schedules are already full. I think that that has happened. I don't, that's not to throw Chris under the bus. It's not Not to throw you under the bus. It's just to say that that's the, that's my suspicion on when you guys don't get included in tours that would be relevant. That said, if there's somebody that I think of you Mm -hmm. when I hear about, like Simon Pegg was an example. I said, you know, I will actually call and go to you and go, do you want time? But like, here's an example. I've been working with this, this, the publicist for this guy, Ahmed Ahmed, or, so, yeah, sometimes he pronounces his name Ahmed Ahmed, and he's this this Egyptian comedian who not only does stand up but also produced this documentary that I saw the other night that was truly fantastic Welcome. Ca- called "Just Like this. They're just like Us, and it's about comedy I- internationally, especially mm-hmm. in the middle east. and uh And I must have asked ten times if you guys wanted to have him. He's not in New York anymore. I mean, I can get him next time he's in New York, but he was in New York all last week and he really wanted to come in and do you guys, but I just couldn't get an answer.
2: Mm. Answer sure, me.
12: I'm sure that the answer is coming, but I, I, you know, when it comes, it might be too late. We
5: also translate a lot of different languages back and forth. We don't all speak English. And a lot of times we're either dr- dealing with anxiety or we're drunk. So well, I, I can relate which. to
12: that, especially the anxiety. I have a lot of anxiety, too.
5: And you're drunk a lot.
12: It is true. How often are you drunk? Not actually that often. Oh.
5: Uh, where's your anxiety come from?
12: Uh, genetics.
5: Your parents are anxious people?
12: Oh, I don't know about that. I just meant like it's my biology. It's like in me.
5: Do you have panic attacks?
12: Sometimes. Not yeah. as much as I used to.
5: Damn. Everybody likes a girl having a panic attack. <laughs>
12: yeah. yeah <clears throat> I don't know why it works. Sure they do. Yeah, they do. <laughs> Yeah, it's gotten a lot of That's actually considered
5: very, very sexy now. <laughs> like, oh, she doesn't know what she's doing. Scratching at herself.
12: Uh, Weird my now. My attacks weren't like that. It would just be, like, just a lot of crying and, like, I don't know.
5: Hey, we're going to invite you into a book club that we're doing. We're all reading a book together, and then we're going to sit down and do an hour talking about it. And it's Albert Brooks's new book, 2030.
12: Are you getting me a copy?
5: Uh, yeah, you can have a copy.
12: Okay. Sure, I'd love to do that. No,
5: I don't understand. If you're the book person, why don't why not they send you a copy?
12: Um, I didn't get Albert Brooks's book. I did put in about 50 requests for albert brooks specifically for unmasked i called in several personal favors and it still didn't work out (laughs) but um but that book i i didn't get probably because they knew he was doing such limited press and they Mm -hmm. knew that the more books that they sent out to members of the press the more people they were gonna have to disappoint by saying no
5: but you know in the meantime from what i understand he's answering back each person who tweets him
12: Really? He is watching
5: over these book sales as each book was a baby chick that he's helping to hatch.
12: Well, I mean, a tweet takes 10 seconds to send Mm -hmm. and, you know, I bet he would tweet the Ron and Fez show if somebody tweeted him first. But that's, that doesn't, that's not a commitment. He can just do it right then. He doesn't have to commit an hour in a week. Not
5: like Ahmed Ahmed who was here for a week ready to make things happen. Yeah. 2030, go over to 202 Friends if anybody wants to join in because we'll take phone calls for that hour and maybe we'll even invite some people in. Uh, Laura is sitting in with us. Uh, Laura, you haven't been on the radio like this, in this as a steady part of your job and how long?
12: Um... I'd say since like 2008.
5: Really? Yeah. So you've been out of it for a while.
12: Yeah, but I do little things like I'm the, I'm the station voice for a couple of channels at Sirius, including Stars Two mm-hmm. uh, and Doctor Radio, and I record a lot of um, little promos and um, you know commercials and stuff that air within the system. And then there, I think yours is really the show that I've come on the most. But every once in a while, a show will like pull me on to to talk about some.
5: What other show you feel comfortable with? Um, what about the whatever girl You never do their show?
12: Nope. Never did. And you know that that show has changed now to what? Um, actually, I don't know if this has been announced. It hasn't been. So let's just say there's changes coming. No, I didn't know that. Yep.
5: I'm supposed to do that show. What night? Tuesday night.
12: Oh, you're yes. guest hosting. Yeah. Okay. So you're guest hosting because one of the hosts is no longer with the show. What?
5: Jennifer's out. There you have it. Well, that's crazy. I didn't know that. How long am I guest hosting for, Chris? They have to go down for an hour. Well, you know what I'd like to do is take that hour and put it as part of the czar hour. Okay. So you could hear what we... uh, Are you doing it with me, Fez? Yes. So um, it'll be interesting to see if Fez is on the air more there than he does on our show. That's number one that would interest me. And number two is, will we sound different on another show?
12: Yeah, who knows? Well, also, you'll be, the, you'll be the guest host, right? So the person who's sort of running the feel of the show will not be you. In yeah,
5: case. I'll take that as
12: a heartbeat.
5: <laughs> no, I I, wanna, I actually like that. I like to do that. I just did that with uh, O&A not too long ago. And it's very relaxing. When you really don't care how this show goes. Oh,
12: you know, I, was act- I, was, I, di- I hosted my own music shows on uh. music stations before, but I, on talk shows, I was always the co-host. Mm. And I love being a co-host. I, I think it would be very hard for me to be the host of a talk show, but a co-host, all you have to do is like respond to stuff. And it was actually part of my... Some people find that to be very, very difficult, though. I can only speak for myself, mm-hmm. but it would be like, you know, if they were going to talk about, uh, some news story, it would actually be better if I didn't read the news story in advance yeah. so that when the host mentioned it, I could have a genuine reaction the same way the listeners are when they hear it for the first time. You wouldn't want to so,
5: write your lines, uh, 24 hours in advance. No way.
12: But if, if I, so it actually behooved me and my job to do, uh, less prep. So, all I had to do was like, show up and laugh at those jokes. All right. I'm going to my mind, which I you know, never have.
5: A we have with. eight questions for you now.
12: Okay. This is Broadway trivia.
5: Yeah. And supposedly, Chris, I'm going to check with you because I know the kids did it back there. This is all in the last two years between 2009 and 2011. All right. What Broadway production featured an appearance by Cousin Brucey? Memphis.: Memphis is correct''t do <laughs> so we saw the yet, huh? Just go going with
0: that. I thought the wrong one was the one that was problem. I know the bad the right one. Right, let me hear the right too. one again. All right, let me hear it wrong.
5: Mm. Okay. what do you think of those sound? Do you like them? Yeah, all right.
12: I didn't like the sound of the wrong one, but not from an audio standpoint, just because I don't want to ever hear it again. Oh, no, you don't
5: want to hear it again. Um, let's uh, go over this next one. What famous cell phone company spokesman won the Tony for Best Actress in a Musical in
12: 2010? Cell phones. Okay. Wait. Best Actress in a Musical last year. Yeah. Cell phone company spokesman. Oh, Catherine Zeta-Jones. Is correct. I forgot that she did those T-Mobile ads.
5: (laughs) Boy, these are not difficult questions. The the
12: clue about the cell phone thing actually threw me off. If you just said who won Best Actress in a musical, I I would have known.
5: This musical, based off a popular DreamWorks movie, closed in January 2010. Shrek the Musical. Now... I think some of these might seem harder to our gang in the back rather than to uh, a Broadway official. Well, I, I mean,
12: I think that's good. I was expecting you to say something like, you know, uh, how many performances did such and such run, and I wouldn't be able to tell. Guess you what?
5: That's like what that. I was expecting. <laughs> I didn't know they come in here loving softballs. No,
12: but I think that these are reasonable questions. Who made his Broadway debut
5: in 2011 playing the character of J.B. Bigley? J.B. Bigley.
12: John Larroquette, and how to succeed in business without really trying. And as of last night, he's a Tony winner.
5: He is a Tony winner.
12: Which, by the way, that was the one award that really shocked me last night.
5: Who should have went to
12: Rory O'Malley from Book of Mormon? Book of Mormon.
5: I think that they wanted to show throw something to a TV star. I think that's true. Known to the people in the Midwest.
12: Yeah, I think that that's that's probably the case. But I'm telling you, Rory O'Malley is my favorite part of Book of Mormon, and I was really sad he didn't win.
5: It was almost like they shit in his mouth.
12: It almost was. Yeah. Yeah. Um, Anything Goes
5: won the Tony for Best Revival of a Musical in 2011. What won in
12: 2010? Best Revival of a Musical in 2010. I definitely know it, but I'm blanking. Oh, was it A Little Night Music? No. No. What was it?
5: It was, of course, La Cage a Fall.
12: Oh, of course. And you know La Cage a Fall. Say it with me, Ron. La Cage a Fall.
5: La Cage a Fall.
12: Um, It's the only show in the history of Broadway to have won the Tony three times. It won when it first came on the scene. It won for its first revival. And it won for its second revival. That all sounds smart. Too bad you didn't get the answer, though. That's that's cool. I'll take the wrong... But you can see that even though I got it wrong, I still have some knowledge about it. I'm sorry. What did you say? What were you saying? I got it wrong.
5: Give me the next one. Should we even bother? Or Because you, you don't seem like you know any of this. <laughs> uh, oh, this is so easy. I know it. Before directing Spider-Man, this woman served... Julie Taymor.
12: Yes. does it say served as director and costume designer for Lion King
5: Uh, no as consultant on Michael Jackson's this is it Uh, the star of the movie The Rocker starred in this Tony winning uh, musical from 2011
12: Tony winning musical from
5: 2011 Book of Mormon yeah and also starred in the movie The Rocker
12: oh I'm supposed to name the actor yeah I never saw The Rocker.
5: Right, but you know there's only two leads in the thing, right?
12: Oh, Josh Gad?
5: (laughs) You got one more. Okay. What Broadway musical co-written by a law student and has an interesting intellectual property issues embedded in the show? Wait, say that again. What Broadway musical was co-written by a law student and has interesting intellectual property issues embedded in the show?
12: I'm going to say, baby, it's you. (laughs) Okay. All right. I don't really understand the question. Avenue Q. Avenue Q. Q. Oh, because of Sesame Street? Well, let me tell you about Baby It's You. Baby It's You is the story of Florence Greenberg, who discovered the Shirelles. Mm -hmm. And it actually uses the real names of the Shirelles. The music of the Shirelles features uh, a bunch of other artists from that era using their real name and music. And they never got permission from any of the artists that they're portraying. How did they pull it off? Um, I have no idea, but there are lawsuits in place. But the lawsuits don't specify that the show has to end. I think they just want money. Uh, six right,
5: two wrong, mm-hmm. a solid C minus. Six
12: out of six out of eight. Yeah. C minus. C minus. Really?
5: Yeah. Oh yeah. I took off a half a grade point for your Y S attitude over of <laughs> Falls. Occasion, uh, you, you're fluent plus. in French, aren't you? Mm I, I'm at a D plus, a D plus. Uh, well, well, well. Look who it is on the line here, my good friend Germain Lassier. Hello, Germain.
6: Hey, what's up, Ronnie
5: B? Uh, I wanted to talk a little bit to you, and we will uh, do a spoiler alert here if we have to, but about the film Super 8. Did you get to see this over no. the weekend? I don't
12: really care about movies, though. Like, I like them when I see them, but I don't generally spend my money on them.
5: Okay, it's not all about you today. Today, some of it has to be Jermaine Lassier, though. We're not doing away with the film industry.
12: You asked me if I saw it. That was my answer.
5: Well, what I would do if I was called into somebody's show, I'd be like, no, but I love film, and this should be a great guest. I think
12: it should be a great guess. I just don't think I should be talking about it. So I'm turning off my mic. All
5: right, turning off your mic, and that takes you down to D, solid D. <laughs> uh, you like this uh, Super 8 film?
6: Yeah, I like it. I mean, I heard uh, on, you know, I guess, now it's yesterday's show, you talking about uh, the, your problems with it. Mm-hmm. And I totally agree. Like, it's it's too many movies put into one, but they're all movies that I kind of like. So, overall, I think it's, it's, it's pretty solid. I, it's definitely like a mess. You know, I wouldn't recommend it. You know, it's the highest. I wouldn't say, you know, put it on my top 10 list or anything. But as a good, solid summer blockbuster, I enjoyed it.
5: Um, what time is Susanna coming in?
0: She just, she'll be in a call, man. She just emailed me. Okay, because I want uh, her to surprise
5: I want him to surprise her. Uh, your old friend Susanna Gore is coming in today, G-Baby.
6: Uh, of course, you're going talk about Ferris Bueller.
5: Yeah, 25 years of Ferris Bueller. That's awesome. 25 years now. Um, all right, G-Baby, you said this was three different films for you, right? Yes. Where were the three breaks for you?
6: All right, all right. so first, the obvious one is the kid's movie, the kid's story, sort of, you know, abandoned family, kid making movies. Then once there's a train wreck, it becomes a mystery film. What's going on with this train? Then once uh, Operation Walking Distance, quote-unquote, starts, then it's your monster movie.
5: Um, By the way, uh, again, spoiler alert. If anyone doesn't want to know anything about this movie, please turn it off right now. Uh, Because uh, have they gotten around that they let on that uh, uh, that there is a creature in this movie?
6: I think we've all known there's a creature from the first trailer We've known that there's something was on that train. We just didn't know specifically what it was, and I'm still not going to like blatantly say, you know, what it is. It's just, I mean, it it, it it devolved into a monster movie though, and I think I think that's pretty well known.
5: Now, is for you? Would you? Because I don't, I've decided after watching this, I don't think I'm the biggest J.J. J. Abrams fan. I just don't think he's made a movie yet that I go, there's a great movie. Uh, I think that he's, like, uh, passable, but certainly not um, not uh, terrific. Right, well, but I'll- I did like the... I love the kids in this movie, and the stand-by-me part of it I thought was going to be just fabulous.
6: Yeah. And I will go to bat. I think this is probably... I mean, he's really only made three? Three movies now? Mission Impossible 3 is fine. I will go to bat for Star Trek saying that it's a great movie. Especially, I watched it again this weekend.
5: I and forgot it, about Star Trek by the time I walked out of it, and that's a true story. I never sat in there and said I hated it, but as we were leaving there, we went, wait, what What was even the plot of that stupid movie? And look, what he's just doing retreads.
6: Right, and this is his first, you know, quote-unquote original movie, but it's not an original movie. No. I mean, it's, it's everything that he's ever liked, uh, at, you know, in movies, put into in too many movies I mean like you said he should have just made Stand By Me he should have just made Cloverfield he should have just made I don't know some mystery thing for, for this, the second act but instead he just tried to like pump it all into this one movie and that's because the reason is I mean and this is not an excuse for a you know uh, a mediocre to good movie is that he had two ideas He's like, I had this really great idea for a small town kids movie but I really need a big hook, so I don't know why I'm not going to make that one. And I have a really cool idea for a monster movie uh, in the past, but I don't really have great characters. So he was like, well, let me just put the two together. And that was the beginning of the end, you know, of this is going to be an original, incredible movie. Uh, and like I said, I like I like mystery movies, and I like kids' movies, and I like monster movies. So the com- like, the parts are better than the whole for me. Um, but... Yeah, he's still, so, I don't know, he's, I think he's a little overhyped just because he becomes, J.J. Abrams is attached to, his name is attached to Lost and all these things that he didn't have as much to do. Right. As. I mean, he directed the pilot of Lost, which is probably the best movie he's ever done.
5: I will agree with that. I thought that the pilot of Lost is way better than anything else he's ever done.
6: Yeah. But again, he didn't, I mean, he helped conceptualize some of it, but I mean, once you get past three episodes, he had nothing to do with that show. His name was on it every week, but he just took a paycheck. What
5: kind of paycheck do you think he got for that over the, those years?
6: Oof. Uh, it, it probably was pretty sweet, and increasingly so, I would imagine.
5: That's a great life that they have. Yeah. <laughs> um, all right, I'm going to bring uh, in your old mentor now. Okay. Well, well, well. Come on in. Come on in, darling. Uh, Susanna is here. And right away before we talk to you too much uh, Susanna I want to we're going to play um, um, some kind of your life movie I forget what those things were called something your life whatever your life. I guess this is your life guess this voice from your past uh
4: oh am I going to hear it in the air yeah you're going to hear it in the air okay
6: step by step ooh baby gonna get to you, girl
4: well, that, I mean, that's obviously a New Kids on the blog song.
5: Yes, and it's Joey McIntyre oh. is here today.
4: I've, I've met him in my real life. Well, what, this isn't your real life? <laughs> you stepping in here? No, I meant what, like... are we in a cartoon world? <laughs> no, I meant like I've met him actually sitting like two human beings talking to each other's face, not just... Oh, not even like... <laughs>
5: So an interview to you isn't real life?
4: <laughs> no, it is real life. Although I must confess, I didn't know he was live. I thought we were listening to like a clip. That's what I meant. No. That's
5: this, the actual him? This, no, this is not him, no. obviously. Your idea of what your life is is a lot better <laughs> than, <laughs> in your head than the way we thought of it. Right. We thought that you wouldn't know. All right, give another clue, mystery guess. Um, Premier
13: Magazine?
4: Oh, is its it... Is it- Jermaine? It is Jermaine. Is baby <laughs> Yes. Yeah. Oh, now I see why he was singing Step by Step. Oh, yes. Okay, it's all coming back to me now. Now, why would you guys <laughs> dance Step by Steps no, together? because uh, Jermaine, this is how... This is, you know, how time flies. Was my, like, star intern at Premier Magazine. Really? Yes. He was my By the way, b- star.
5: Premier M- Magazine was terrific.
10: It was I a just great really, magazine, really missed.
4: And it's such a shame that it's gone. I don't think anything really, f- you know, fills that void mm-hmm. where it's serious film journalism, but it's also fun. Right. Not too. Cheesy and not too serious, just perfect right in the middle. But Jermaine and I, we, we the reason he's singing step by step is because um, you know we at a magazine. I'm sure you guys do too. We would be sent all the time books, DVDs that people wanted no, us never. to write about. <laughs> and someone sent us and New Kids on the Block. Concert DVD filmed. I don't know when it was filmed, but it was clearly at the you know the very end of their kind of power when the guys just had clearly given up and they were phoning it in to the ultimate degree of phoning it in. And it's it's, so sad. It is sad. And Jermaine and I would sit with some of the other people from Premiere and watch this new kids you know concert DVD of the guys doing their dance steps, like looking like they're barely awake. We would just laugh till our stomachs hurt. So that's mm-hmm. that's why he's singing step by step.
5: Now are you? <laughs> Proud this person that you once mentored is out in LA. Yes. And uh, making things happen.
4: I am proud of him. And He's wonderful.
5: How much of this has to do with Susanna? Gee, baby. All this fantastic success that you've had.
6: Uh, a good amount. Susanna helped me. Uh, she taught me uh, a little bit about how magazines work. I did a lot of writing for her, some research for her. Mm-hmm. And. Um, yeah, I mean, we had a lot of fun. I would still be Premier Magazine if they hadn't kicked me out because they weren't paying
4: me. Uh, <laughs> yeah, or, or if it still existed, that would be helpful, yeah, exactly, too. exactly, exactly. <laughs> now, did, did
5: Jermaine get this from you? Because a lot of times he'll tell me in an article he'll write, he'll just make up quotes. He goes, I'll just act like I've talked to <laughs> no, people. No, he did
4: not get that from me. My, I am very neurotic and would never do anything like that.
5: Uh, by the way, Susanna <laughs> Gore's book is is wonderful. You. Uh, you couldn't ignore me if you tried. Now, have you read this, G-Baby?
6: I haven't yet. I still I want to. I'm, I don't read as much because I'm writing and I'm listening to you guys, so I don't get as much chance to read as I want.
5: That's sad. So, <laughs> you're so busy, <laughs> what, listening that you can't pick up a book? I want well, you to get a book. I see a movie Club.
6: here and there, too, Ron. I saw like seven movies this weekend. I got another one tonight, another one tomorrow. It doesn't stop.
5: By the way, uh, and I just thought of this because I saw two things. Number one, Laura's texting. But in the movie yesterday, four people texting uh, when I go to see I Soup. Hate it. It's gotten very, very bad. And then the other thing, Laura, is your bra keeps showing, so you got to really...
12: Is it in a good yeah, way? I mean, yeah, in well, sure, in a good way? way,
5: but this isn't... It can't be all like Broadway, like, you know, da-da-da-da-da-da-da-da, da da alright We're talking movies now. No, we were talking Broadway before you got oh, here, yeah. Suzanne.
4: watch the Tonys, of course. Uh,
5: Laura acts like she can't do Broadway and movies, that she feels like live theater uh-huh. is somehow above
12: film? No, 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 it's not that at all. It's just that it feels more... um like, I, I need to do it now, because uh-huh. the movie, I can watch on DVD, I can see it it's next year. It's not the year. same experience. I'm, but I go to the theater, and I'm seeing something that, even for the audience that sees it the next night, it's different. It's like, it's right there. It's now. It's happening. And the movie is like, it's going to, I'm going to be able to see it the way that the filmmakers intended 10 years from now. So I can just, it's not that I think that they're
5: Not if you're watching inferior. it on IFC, where they cut... Well, into the movie. I have
12: I have a Netflix subscription, but I just end up being like, you know, if I have a choice of seeing a live show... Or, When's the or last time movie, you've been in a movie theater? Um, not that long ago. What did I go and see?
5: Annie, get your gun when it finally <laughs>
12: came out? Um, you know, I'm blanking, but I, I probably went to a movie like a month or two ago. I
5: can't imagine if the, uh, saying... That watching something from Netflix is the same experience as sitting in the theater. Oh, I'll tell
12: you totally. what the last time I was in a movie theater was. I saw Ahmed Ahmed's comedy documentary, oh Just my Like God, Us. Oh my God, you
5: won't drop the Ahmed Ahmed. <laughs> and that was just
12: it. last week. Wow. It was last
4: Wednesday. Well, we saw Midnight in Paris, my family and I, over the weekend. And there was a woman sitting two rows ahead of us with the, the text screen on her phone the entire Time, and I didn't. You know, if she was right one row ahead of me, I would have like yeah. leaned over and kind of. But I didn't feel like leaning over two rows of people making whole issues, so we just kind of tried to deal with it. But I actually, in a way, think it's more distracting than talking because the visuals are totally ruined. You know, a little whisper no. here or there once or twice, you can kind of get over it. But that glow totally ruins the whole
5: visual. I experience. will say uh, the, the when I brought up the people, the glow. The I think there were like five or six rows ahead of me, and then another one, eight or ten row, and it still was bothering my. It's
12: horrible. Experience. Do you know what I saw once? I did go to the movies with my sister, and there was a, a a couple with a kid, and they had instead of and the kid it was a kids movie. I think it was Toy Story three. So the kid was old enough to enjoy the film, but they had brought an iPad, and the kid was watching a different movie <laughs> oh my on the God. iPad in the, oh, And, and no. I was like, "Are you kidding <laughs> That's me? Bad. Yeah, that's bad. Th- because that that's, not even, just, that's yeah. not even just a lit up screen. Right. That's like all the that's motion, bad. and it's not even just on a phone screen. It was yeah. an iPad. <laughs> see, but we can't just give up
4: going to the theater and only watch it at home. the thing The perfect the perfect scenario is in the theater with lots of other people behaving really well, and you can see. That would be that's great. That's perfect. That's yeah. better than sitting at home. Definitely. And obviously, it's better than you know being in a theater with people being jerks.
5: All right, uh, G. Baby, a couple people want to bring up Super Eight. Here 's Mike and Austin, go ahead,
7: hey guys. I heard a little bit of your conversation and and before I get to my point, I guess i I, I would say I, I also saw some of the silliness that you guys talked about, and again, spoilerific, but you know when when you got to the train crash part of it and, and it was kind of silly, I, I certainly uh, agree and and got that part but i I think I appreciated it as being in the style of that genre, I mean, I think there's there's a lot of those kinds of action movies where the suspicion Dude, of disbelief has to go fairly far.
5: The thing that the guy could still talk after running a a, a truck into a train that was ridiculous. Oh yeah, that was- but when they did the Lost, oh we've found this old movie that explains every plot point. <laughs> you would have had to been a child to be okay with that.
7: Yeah, you're right. That that part was pretty stupid. And and that was one of the things we were talking about on the way home. Uh, but but the other part of it that jumped out at me when I thought about that was I kind of thought back over Lost and, and how there were similarities to Lost in this. But then I thought about the Trek movies from a couple of summers ago, and I, I haven't seen Mission Impossible 3, but everything I've heard was that it was sort of a good, you know, in the in the pocket of being a Mission Impossible movie. And I guess what I kind of started wondering is, is J.J. Abrams really a sort of a glorified cover band in terms of what he does? Is he, is he really good at imitating or fitting into a style of somebody else? Does he have any particular style of his own except for lens flare?
5: All right, I, I'm going to let G-Baby answer that. Uh, and what he's saying, G-Baby, is J.J. Uh, Abrams uh, a Hollywood hack. And that's not necessarily an awful thing. You've got to be good to pull off this. But is it still kind of hack work?
6: I don't think he's a hack. I think that he's in danger of becoming a hack. Um, if he keeps doing this and doesn't really show his like, true originality. But I mean, somebody brought up online, and it was a, it's not a, a, exactly equal, but all movies are all influenced by other movies. I mean, if, if JJ's a hack, what's Tarantino when he's just ripping everything from you know, the 70s? But uh, it's, he, it's, does it a, he does it a lot, more, a lot well, a lot more subtle. But I think Abrams has a style. He's got a really uh, strong visual sense. Uh, does he, is a lot of it from Spielberg? Yes. Are the lens flares his signature? Are they a little distracting? Yes. But I don't think he's a hack. I think he maybe isn't the best writer. Uh, he didn't write the other movies that he directed. This one he did. I think that was probably the problem with Super Eight. But uh, yeah, that's my thing. Um, yeah, and I, I don't know if I would go all the way
7: to to saying hack is the way I would.
5: I don't think it. hack is totally a negative thing. I think that a hack means that. It, you know, to me, like in a comic, a hack will actually get laughs, but the way he gets the laughs aren't respected by, you know, somebody with more of a critical ear. So, uh, you know, because people go, well, a lot of people could get a laugh that way. So I don't really mean it in a in a negative sense.
7: Mm-hmm. Yeah, I, I think maybe, why, maybe another way to say it would be I think he's a terrific impressionist. You know, I think he does a great impression of Spielberg in this movie. I think he did a great impression of... The Star Trek original series with the Star Trek movie, you know, he, he does a great job of of bringing back to you and and showing you something that you look at and you immediately recognize and go, oh yeah, that's everything I loved See, about this. He,
5: and he, this but, is why I, I will give Tarantino more appreciation is because Tarantino make me appreciate things about something I didn't even like all that much. I go back and watch 70s grindhouse movies and I'm normally bored, but I love that you know what Tarantino brings into it. He he kind of opens me up to new stuff. I don't think I have to be open up to the fact that Gene Roddenberry did a better job than JJ J. Abrams yeah. or Steven Spielberg is much better than JJ J. Abrams. Or, you know, Mission Impossible, I don't know even know what to tell you. It's just Tom Cruise was comfortable, so you guys were. All right. Let's go over here to uh Finley wants to uh talk about go ahead, Finley.
6: Hey guys, big fan. Uh just wanna say, gee, baby, I'm actually a really big fan and we uh me and my buddy started up a website movie review thing kind of in the uh fan of you and the smodcast and everything together, so cool, um I uh just I, I thought I thought that uh, you know, overall it was a it was a really good movie. It felt kind of had the same 80s kind of childlike feel that, you know, uh, Goonies and, uh, you know, E.T. had, but then
14: you're right, it took a drastic turn somewhere, and I was really disappointed with, like, the ending, and the way
6: you said it divided up into three movies really makes a lot of sense afterwards, so.
5: And again, I'm going to spoil alert another seven times before people that want to see this, although we already have, but the ending was completely E.T. with watching the thing go off, but guess what, G-Baby? That wasn't a sweet E.T. in there. That was a monster who was going for help. And so he's a motley,
6: I, I heard that argument, and people are like, why, do they, why should we care about this alien because he's been killing people? A, he didn't kill a lot of people. He caught some people, but I think, A, I think the way I read into it, and I haven't seen it twice, the kids are naive, and the kids, all they know is that their teacher wanted to free this thing. And once they saw, once they got touched by him, they were like, okay, well, we want to help free this thing, and plus it'll help me save the girl.
5: It was catching human beings, hanging them upside down, and eating them like a spider. Why didn't we kill it
0: then? What the fuck?
5: We actually helped it get away. bullshit. We were supposed to feel happy. (laughs) Uh, That Dharma Initiative thing, you had to admit, that was was hideous, right? Did you hate that at least, G-Baby?
6: I loved it when I didn't know what it was. And I, I was a big fan of Lost, but I mean, obviously, it sort of dropped the ball in no. a big way. But again, that wasn't J.J. J. Abrams. You know, not, Darwin, had nothing to do with J.J. J. Abrams. That didn't come in until the second season.
5: And Cloverfield, you don't hold him responsible for the 9-11 porn of Cloverfield? Jesus.
6: Uh, not as much. I mean, he had more to do with that than he did Lost. He sort of conceptualized that with, uh, with his best friend, Matt Reeves. But... uh uh, I get my my most interesting thing about Cloverfield is uh, it was the monster and it's sort of mythology, but it, some of that was off camera, which is kind of upsetting.
5: Uh, all right, talk to you later, uh, Charlie. Uh, before we uh, uh, and we do have plans today that we're going to talk of twenty five years now, Ferris Bueller's Day Off with uh, Susanna. Uh, which is embarrassing that this is 25 years ago because <laughs> it doesn't feel like it to me. No. I would say seven years ago tops. <laughs> um, this is everything that your grandparents uh Warned you about that life was going to go by too fast. Mm. Uh, but how did you like the new Woody Allen? How did you like the... I
4: thought it was wonderful. I remember thinking Owen Wilson would be a strange choice to be the kind of Woody Allen avatar, you know, playing right. the neurotic writer. But he was actually wonderful.
5: Maybe one of the best we've ever had. Absolutely. Playing Woody
4: Allen. Didn't you, did not you see it? Yeah. Didn't you think it was great?
5: Yeah, I thought it was terrific. I thought it was a lot of fun. Now, I, I, do, I don't know whether I would have liked this as much if it was a young filmmaker. Mm-hmm. But seeing Woody going back to being light right. and fun again, I was glad to have it. I don't know where I'd rank it mm-hmm. because I think that he's a genius. Mm-hmm. So is it going to be in my top ten Woody Allens? No. Mm-hmm. But a lot of people couldn't get their movies into my top ten right. of what I think of Woody Allen. Uh, Gee, baby, I guess you didn't like it, right?
6: No, I loved it. It's one of my favorite movies of the year. I'm shocked. Year. Wow. Yeah, I know, right? It's so it's an it's easily digestible uh, film with a happy ending. I mean, it yeah. shocked me that I liked
5: Wait a minute, Jermaine. Do you hate anything? Do you ever watch a movie and go against the, the flow there and yeah. say, give me one?
6: Uh, the one that we had a fight about last year, with Apollo, I hate Iron Man 2. I was <laughs> supposed to watch it last night. I did not go. John Favreau, Robert Downey in the audience, I left because I can't watch that movie again.
5: Did wow. you say something to them as you were walking out? Like your movie, Stinks?
6: No, no, I I just watched the first movie, which is good, so I didn't say anything.
5: Favreau has become this big action guy, and he's got Cowboys and Aliens this Mm -hmm. year. And I saw him on the Guy Awards, and he came out and grabbed the mic and said, we're going to do it again. We're going to kick some ass (laughs) for you guys. He's very, very (laughs) excited. But this is one of those things that I wish they didn't show as much in the trailer, because I get it. Cowboys versus aliens. Yeah. That's mm-hmm. a great idea. Right. right. You know, for a summer popcorn film. Why do you gotta show me all these the, the effects?
6: But like he doesn't want to. He's been wanting to show he didn't want to show everything. He wanted to go the Abrams route, but I think Universal's probably just pushing him because of what everybody thought was Super Eight. They thought it was gonna open small because nobody knew what it was about. It ended up doing really well uh, over the weekend. But I think it, because they were scared of that low tracking they're starting to show more of the aliens and more always I, I say, mm-hmm. definitely a studio thing hmm.
5: you think you think they would have been better, better served if they didn't show it
6: no I think uh, from a a person who wants to see the movie I would like to see less but from Joe Blow on the street uh, who just flips on the TV the more they see the more likely they're going to go see the movie
5: and then here's Instead what I hate then story. they're going to go there and text why the movie's on yeah, that's I, I, the I, guy I, that we're <laughs> trying to get into the movie <laughs> I wish that movie viewing was even more elite. I wish that it was a problem to get into a movie. <laughs> I wish it wasn't open to everyone.
6: Wow. It's like a... You should, you should need a license to go see a movie. Like, mm-hmm. Pass a couple tests. That would be great.
5: I know one thing. If you've seen an independent film, whoever you are, you will be the youngest person at that film. Oh, no. Because the elderly are the only people yeah. that really support interesting movies. Then you see a lot of what I call Chris Stanley hipsters standing hipster. in line to see Summer Fair. What's coming out this week, G-Baby?
6: Uh, Green Lantern is a big movie. Uh, I'm actually seeing it. Well, once people hear this, I'll have seen it. I'm seeing it tonight, Monday night, and uh, I'll try to report in. I'm not sure if I'm allowed to report it. I'm not even allowed if I'm supposed to say I'm seeing it, but uh, I am. So. What
5: have you heard from your friends? They hate it?
6: Yeah. Yeah, I've heard the paint. Good. It, so. <laughs> we'll
5: see. Good, because I, I they show too much on the trailer and I'm just when I watch it I go, I don't think I can sit through this.
6: Yeah. Yeah, it's that not, not a very Ronnie B movie. The whole thing is CG on a different planet. I mean it might as well be up, right?
5: I'm really <laughs> I'm really tired of Marvel too. I'm just uh, sick of it. I get it.
6: It's D C but same thing.
5: Yeah. Oh it is it is uh, see DC. I call Comic book movies, Marvels now. <laughs> I didn't even know that DC made it themselves.
6: Yeah, right. Well, this, they, got, they took big, Marvel's lead. Yeah, this is yeah they take Marvel's lead. This is their first big movie. This is their Iron Man, and if it does really well, they're going to spin it off like Marvel did with, you know, uh, the Flash and all these things, leading up to a Justice League movie where they're hoping to. But it, it all, it's all about this weekend. If Green Lantern tanks, you just say goodbye to your DC movies. Mm.
5: Uh, did Thor make enough money to make more Thors?
6: Yeah. Yeah, for sure. Yeah, oh, Thor two. There, I. They might have hired screenwriters already, but and then they already hired screenwriters for Captain America two. You know, that's an open for another couple weeks. <laughs> an Avengers in production right now.
5: This is a nightmare for me. This is like me being choked. <laughs> oh no! It is. So, Suzanne, do you like these kind of films? These big summer films.
4: I, I like them. I get excited. For them, and um, sometimes i 'm disappointed. I tend to like movies like the the movies in my book. You know I tend to like movies with actual human beings and
5: <laughs> do you like any of the new romantic comedies? Has there been romantic comedies in the last? Uh, several years that you thought were good?
4: That's a really good question. Do you remember the movie Love and Other Drugs that came out recently with Anne Hathaway and Jake Gyllenhaal?
5: I did not see it.
4: It came out, I think, this fall, and I actually thought that was one of the better, more interesting romantic comedies I'd seen in a while. The the You know how in most romantic comedies, they, they fall for each other, and then there's this very fake moment in the narrative where right. something, misunderstanding happens. It's like a bump in the road, and they can't like each other for a while before they get reunited.
5: So they find out the truth. Wait, you were the one who cleaned my apartment. Exactly. Oh my God. What? Hasn't that other girl?
4: <laughs> well, what I loved about it in this movie, and this isn't giving too much away, since they talked about this in every you know article about it, was the Anne Hathaway character has Parkinson's, and so the stumbling block in the narrative is she doesn't want them to fall too much in love because she's afraid of like saddling him with a life of having to deal with this with her. And I mean, that's like a real issue yeah, right and they truly the characters truly struggle with it and you really don't know what's going to happen and also they're naked for lots of the movie and the two <laughs> of them look really good together and um i really like that it was a really good romantic movie i thought in recent years wow i did not know this plot point it's that really parkinson's yeah that's like plays this way and that's like a big major part of the movie and it was the first time in a while i would thought huh what what's going to happen are they going to end up together or not jermaine did you see this uh, film
6: I did see it. I wouldn't call it romantic comedy. Uh, I mean, there are moments of humor, but Suzanne is right that that's a big, huge issue on it. I found it kind of interesting. Um, it didn't really grab me with where it went, but uh, it, it was definitely. Uh, I think Ed Zwick directed it. I think uh, mm-hmm. it was definitely an interesting uh, take on the romantic thing, and they're both really great in it. But I didn't really love. Where the whole
5: thing went. See, I just saw the, like, Entertainment Weekly cover as I was walking mm-hmm. down the street, and I thought, well, that's something I'll catch, uh, you know, once it gets to HBO. <laughs> when I'm lying in bed at night, and I'll just, oh, I haven't seen this yet. That great moment of there's something on uh-huh. that I should have caught eight different times yeah. before, and I'm one of the few people being premiered, so that's where I plan on seeing it in another year or two on HBO. <laughs> Uh, But, you know, romantic comedy is interesting because it should be what we like the best Mm -hmm. because everyone has had those kind of experiences, and yet we almost do it the worst. It's almost a turnoff. Right. Yet, if most people were to talk about, hey, what are the great movies from the 40s? You'd pick romantic comedies, Mm -hmm. 50s, 60s, 70s. Uh, and probably even the eighties and nineties.
4: I mean, yeah. when Harry Met Sally is like one of the best. Right. Um, Working Girl. I don't know if you describe it as romantic comedy, but the romantic comedy elements of that are like perfect. You I. Know? You know what? This is a good point
5: that we kind of went from romantic comedies to chick flicks, where it almost
4: That's a good point. is saying.
5: Uh, this isn't for couples to go see. Right. This is now for Girls' Night Out.
4: That's a really good point.
5: Well, that's what I do here. I make really good <laughs> points. And then Jermaine goes and writes about it later for Cinephile.
4: What was the name of that kid's site?
12: Cinef-
5: Cinefilter. Well, it better not be Cinebun because he's going to get sued. But I'd actually, if there was a website about Cinebuns, I'd go there now.
0: Wait a minute, where's Fez. Fez had to go to a doctor's appointment. Why wouldn't he say goodbye? Uh, he just <laughs> he just slipped out. Came to the booth, told me to go. Go. Come in here. <sighs> and left. I thought he'd say goodbye, too. I don't know. What's wrong? He's a character. Well, it's... Um, I, we got
5: a break here, right? Yeah. Because how far do we, how long do we go without a break?
0: About an hour and a half.
5: Uh, we're going to come back and talk about Susanna. By the way, her book... And you need to own this book if you were alive during the 80s or liked any of the 80s films. You couldn't ignore me if you tried. Uh, this is one of those books that you're like, wow, were there that many of those movies in the 80s? And some of this stuff, um, you explain better than we took it for at the time. Because at the time, it was kind of light viewing.
4: Right. Well, now that decades have passed, I think it's really been proven how important these movies have been to our culture.
5: Well, let's just go into this. The fact that we, 25 years later, we're going to talk about Ferris Bueller's Day Off. And has somebody done that type of movie better? In the last 25 years?
4: I don't think so. I mean, something like Superbad is sort of similar. You know, it's the guys at the end of okay. high school and the, the, sort of the feeling of all the nervousness and excitement about the future. But no, in my opinion, this was this was like, this was it. This was the perfect joie de vivre teen movie.
5: Uh, Jermaine, can you think of something that you said that maybe Hollywood's done this good in the last 25 years?
6: I, I guess maybe like some Cameron Crowe stuff, maybe like Almost Famous.
5: See, I think okay. Almost Famous is a little more, you know, it's a little too realistic to have the same kind. Of, and I love Almost Famous. Me too. And yet, I don't know whether I'd categorize these two. a matter of fact, I know I wouldn't. Uh, by the way, Jason Lee was in here the oh, other day. Oh, And And um, he still loves that film he still loves. I know you're a big Cameron Crowe fan.
4: I am. I got to interview him for my book and I love Almost Famous and I think, I actually think Almost Famous... You know, it was going to be one of these timeless kind of movies about being a young person figuring out your place in the world that people will always admire.
5: The kid that he had in that movie was so perfect. Wasn't he amazing? Yeah, and where you're just like, I don't want anything bad to happen to this kid. I know it's a movie, <laughs> but I I want this kid to be okay. I know. Um, but I agree with you, and I don't think it did all that well in terms of making money when it came out. But um,
4: I got to go to the premiere, which was yeah. amazing. And it had that wonderful kind of happy, excited feeling that the that the movie had. That was a great night.
5: Uh, Dave Marsh works here, who was uh, an editor and writer for Rolling Stone about wow. the same time of this, and he thinks it was perfectly done. Yeah, I mean, he's like they caught everything. And I I saw I saw concerts in the seventies, and I thought you know that it was perfect. I'm kind of mad now. Uh, Jason, what band that he had it on. I had it in the back of my mind that they were kind of doing... Almost like a bad company, not like a great band, right. but a band that did okay. Yeah, it opened. that's a good point. Yeah. <laughs> <All> right. <laughs> right.
4: It's also one of the most powerful examples that movie of using music and a soundtrack to just take the emotional level of a film off the charts, just yeah. out of control emotions. And, um, you know, of course, Cameron Crowe. When we think of directors who use music, well, he's like the king
5: to me. And what's great about him is he doesn't use the most obvious mm-hmm. music. Like people don't know this now. But Tiny Dancer wasn't a giant Elton John hit. That's right. And I don't even think he he had done it in concert for many years. That's right. And because of that film, it came back in a a huge way. But he did that Beach Boy Mm -hmm. uh, flow song that no one ever knew. That's right. And now it gets a lot of play. So when he goes back and he does a uh, a perfect job of... Finding the exact song, not the first song that you would think, all right, this song is going to mean 1982 to me, you know? (laughs) Um, And
4: not even lyrics that would necessarily match with the scene at all, just the feeling that matches with the scene,
5: you know? Yeah, he's done phenomenal stuff uh, like that. And only a couple guys can pull it off. I think Scorsese does it very well. I think Tarantino does it very well. And then after that, I start to go, I don't know, you know, besides Cameron Crowe, I don't know how many guys I would throw up there. Right. What about for you, G-Baby? Uh, well,
6: yeah, Those three are definitely the best. Then I would probably go uh, Wes and Paul Thomas Anderson.
5: It's yeah. really, really yeah. smart. Wes Anderson is the quirkiest.
0: It's so good, though.
5: Yeah. But, I mean, he his thing aren't even about that year. No. It's like there was some kind <laughs> of an odd 1966...
0: Yeah, just a tiny little fucking arrow.
5: Yeah, just this sixty six to like sixty eight, here's what the faces yeah. the small faces did, you know, this weird I thing. Think. Uh but you're right. Both those both those guys do it very well. And what uh Paul Thomas Anderson did with Magnolia where that was almost uh like a musical, almost mm-hmm. like one person right. yeah. with the Amy Mann stuff. Oh. And then when people in that film just broke off and started to sing the song oh. <sighs> themselves, I thought amazing. it was amazing. Me too. Is he doing this Scientology movie, G-Baby, yes or no? Uh, P. T. Anderson. Well, yes.
4: He's doing a
6: movie that now they keep saying it has nothing to do with Scientology. They're just trying to get away from it. But yeah, it's shooting right now or starting like next week in uh, up in the Bay Area. Phil Seymour Hoffman, Joaquin Phoenix, Amy Adams, it's
5: gonna be great. It's a strange. Uh, it's great to see Joaquin Phoenix. I thought
0: he retired. Yeah, it
5: didn't work out.
0: <laughs> oh. Did you like that film? I stuck. Th- I watched the whole thing, and well oh boy, was that shitty. I just really terrible. did. You believe it even for a second? Um, maybe that towards the beginning, but when he sl- there was one scene where like he was like cop coke or some shit, and some hookers, and like he was cutting up rails, but he didn't do any. And I just figure, all right, this is definitely fucking fake. Because if you're really going to go off the rails, you might as well go fully off the rails (laughs) and quit. Uh, Fuck him.
5: Now now you're mad? Yeah,
0: now I'm pissed off (laughs) at fucking Joaquin and the stupid Affleck brother for egging him on the entire time. And then for him going out and saying that it is a work. Right. But while it's coming out. (sighs) You (laughs) alright? I like the Banksy documentary. Oh, yeah, I know you did. (laughs) Um. Well, tomorrow
5: I'm seeing that documentary, right? The one on Ken Kesey and the bus?
0: Yeah. It's maybe Wednesday. double check. Well, what is tomorrow? Tomorrow's Tuesday. Two- oh, yeah, yes, tomorrow you are oh, Yeah, I'm seeing. playing the part of
5: Tuesday. <laughs> All right.
0: <laughs>
5: uh, G-Baby, should I let you go, or do you want to talk about First Bueller's Day Off, too?
6: I, I, First Bueller is one of my favorite movies, but I'm going to leave this to Susanna because she's the expert and uh, knows way more about it than I do. I'm just a huge fan, and I can't wait to hear what she has to say.
2: Talk to you
5: later, buddy. All
6: right, later, buddy.
5: All right, we're going to break. We shall indeed be back. Uh, Susanna Gore is sitting in with us, who's written a fabulous book. I believe this is her third time coming through because we love the book so much. Mm -hmm. You couldn't ignore me if you tried the Brat Pack, John Hughes, and their impact on a generation. And now Ferris Bueller... Twenty-five years. That's nuts. Uh, was it last Sunday?
4: No, it was just um, Saturday, a couple days ago. Wow.
5: June 11th. June 11th, 25 years. We'll do a little catching up on that film. It's a a fest show. five years now since Ferris Bueller's day off crazy crazy to hear that and Susanna Gora from uh the book you couldn't ignore me if you tried uh you have looked at John Hughes films probably more than anyone else and where does um where did this film stand out for him you think
4: I think this film was deeply personal for him um Mm -hmm. You know, people often ask the question, which of John Hughes' characters do we think he related to the most? And I had a very kind of nerdy, exciting, eureka research moment when I was working on my book, which was that um, I had done some research, interviewed one of his good childhood friends, and and learned that Hughes' childhood address was 2,800. And, um, you know, he put in his movies all these little personal touches, like he would give characters vanity license plates, like, you yeah. know, I think Jake Ryan had, you know, maybe John Hughes' birthday, something like that. And Ferris's family's home address, I realized one day while watching a scene in Ferris kind of on slow motion, is 2800. And, you know, he'd already made a lot of films by then. So to, to have waited <laughs> until that character to give his childhood address, his teenhood address, I thought really said something. And, um, Matthew Broderick once said something great along the lines of that, Hughes knew Ferris was more than just a character. He was like a way of life. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, a way of thinking, really. Uh, this whole kind of carpe diem. The idea of life's short and just going for it and uh, standing up to authority and um, fighting for joy and for what makes you happy. And I think John Hughes cherished all of those ideas and I think Ferris was very, very precious to him.
5: We, uh, You look back on this, there was almost a Bugs Bunny mm-hmm. feeling about this that When you watch this film, you kind of knew that Ferris was going to get away with it. That he wasn't in any real danger. Right. You know? But at the same time, uh, particularly, I think, for kids... It was like, yeah, this is who I want to be. I want to be right. the guy who realizes that this time is precious.
4: Absolutely. And, and what's so rare about this character is, um, you know, he's not obnoxious. I mean, think how easily in another actor's hands this kind of a... a self-confident guy could have just seemed like a jerk right. <laughs> like a total you know cocky arrogant jerk and but somehow the way matthew Broderick does it he's just charming he's adorable you can't help but love him and you want to be like him and you sort of aspire to ferrisness have you ever
5: seen the thing online where the they fight club this thing where ferris exists in cameron's mm-hmm mind
4: a lot of people really believe that theory um the theory that that and it's interesting one of the more uh sort of valid thoughts behind that theory is that you know uh, the protagonist of a movie is who goes through changes, right? I mean, mm-hmm. when we think of a protagonist, they're the person who experiences change on a narrative arc and by the end of the film is kind of a different, better person. Ferris doesn't change at all. He's Ferris throughout from the first frame to the very last. Cameron changes. He goes on a journey. He discovers uh, his own strength. He decides with help from Ferris that he's going to stand up to his father. And by the end, he's like a brave, different kid. Right. So some people posit that this means perhaps Cameron's really the the protagonist and And he's kind of imagining that he'd have this cool best friend, Ferris Bueller, and this cute, sexy girl to hang out with, Sloan. Uh, And and that, you know, remember at the beginning when Cameron is so sick in bed? Yeah. Some people even think that maybe, you know, he's so sick, he's kind of like has a fever and is almost hallucinating the whole movie. So, I mean, I never found any you know, evidence, if I can call it that, to back that up. I mean, I certainly never found anything with any of the filmmakers talking about that. But um, since this movie has become such a part of our culture, it's interesting and worthwhile to examine that theory. Why not? Well, I always
5: thought that Lucas, uh, Lucas, what the, you saw this as Cameron was his audience, his movie geek Mm -hmm. audience. And he was almost saying, stop, imagining, get out, and have a crazy day, risk getting in trouble, and experiencing life a little bit. I love that. uh, Let's go over here to uh, Eric. Eric, you're on the uh, air. Say hi to Susanna.
6: Hi, Susanna, and uh, happy Tuesday, guys. Thank you. (laughs) Thank you. The thing that I've always noticed about Ferris Bueller is it's one of those movies where, not just the characters in it, but city that it takes place in it's it's almost uh, a character of the movie you get such a feel for the city of chicago when you watch it
5: oh i agree particularly by the time you get to uh the parade mm-hmm. by that point it 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 I, I don't think you can go into chicago and not think about that parade in, right. in that film i think it's amazing and he loved Chicago. He, he loved, loved Chicago. Chicago.
4: It was he. He loved the whole Midwest, but he particularly loved Chicago. It was his home, and it was important to him to to show it on screen in a beautiful way. I mean, we've always seen New York and L.A. Right. in the movies, but Chicago and how gorgeous it looks in that movie. And it was John Hughes's Chicago. I mean, the high school where they shot the scenes inside Ferris's high school that had been John Hughes's high school in the suburbs of Chicago. And you know that great parade sequence that's happening on a street where John Hughes, when he worked in advertising in the 70s, would, you know, sneak out of work whenever there'd be parades and and watch the parades. And, and so he he was uh, giving sort of an homage to the parts of Chicago that meant so much to him.
5: Uh, which is, you know, to take it to that point, one, and the fact that this is a teen comedy, but one of the most amazing scenes is when they start showing paintings. Oh, yeah. And the paintings that they're showing... Mm-hmm. It is these kids suddenly opening up to life. There's stuff you don't expect. Hopper right. is in there, and there's Picasso's, mm-hmm. and just the way, and of course the, um, I think it's called Sunday. Right, a uh,
4: Sunday afternoon in the island of La Grande Jatte by Surratt. Uh
5: It's amazing how much reverence mm-hmm. he gives to that. And think of how different that is from here. Ferris doesn't want to go to school or whatever. Exactly. But. It, he's getting more of that than he could of any art appreciation right. class.
4: Well, it was always so important to Hughes to show that that you know, beer and makeout sessions are were a part some sometimes of the teen experience, but that they weren't everything, and that teenagers cared about about more meaningful things too. Um, and the art was so important to him. You know, Hughes himself had been an incredible painter, and uh, he actually you know had studied art and painting, and he he dropped out of college after freshman year, but he had done a ton of of painting and, and art, and he cared about that. And when I interviewed Jennifer Gray, she told me something really interesting that Hughes had said to her something like, this is going to be the movie that shows the most art, the most paintings of any movie. Mm. And um, and if you th- if you really remember that scene, it gets so close up to the paintings. Like the right. Surratt painting, you can literally see the canvas, the grains yeah. of the canvas and every little dot, those famous Surratt dots. And here we are in a teen comedy having right. a scene like this. I mean, it just shows the incredible range of human emotions that Hughes could capture.
5: Yeah, and I remember there was like Gauguin's in there, mm. Pollock's. I mean, It was, uh, really great paintings that he picked, particularly, I think, if you were trying to impress young people. You know what I mean? Like, it was really, I thought he had a great eye in that. Uh, and then also, you know, go back for, like you're saying with Chicago, just being at the Cubs games and the city itself, um, just looks fantastic in the oh, film.
4: Looks gorgeous, you know. And so you were telling me that
5: some people are now writing some rough reviews <laughs> about the film after all these years.
4: I was interested to see that The Atlantic, which is certainly an incredibly important, uh, very intellectual literary institution had uh, written a piece in the last few days uh, that sort of disses Ferris Bueller and tells everyone that it's overrated and that we should just get over it. Um, at least they had the good sense to quote pretty extensively from my book to provide the pro-Ferris perspective. So at least mm-hmm. there's that. But, um, you know, this guy's argument was along the lines of that uh, Ferris is, you know, just entitled and and kind of a jerk and why do we all idolize him so much? And uh, I, everyone's entitled to their opinion, but it just seemed to me the right or totally missed the point of the movie, which is to just kind of go with it and seize life and choose happiness.
5: And particularly, you know, I don't think you're doing that every day. I think he made it a point that it's just one day. (laughs) Although the only thing is, I thought he was a little rough on on Cameron and his problems. Yeah, the, That's the only car that uh, you wouldn't be happy with just any car? Come on, this right. fucking dad gets pissed <laughs> if he takes it out. Jesus. Yeah, that's sure.
0: did, did it go too far for you, Chris? To By the way, up, how are you enjoying that salad? That salad's great. Jennifer Hutt hit me off with a nice free salad and I'm loving it. I'm not sure what's in it. I've but. never seen you eat a salad before. <laughs> now,
5: maybe the reason that you never ate it before is that we never put it in front of you. <laughs>
0: that could be it. It's not bad, though. You know, let's get, got some Peter bread. It looks like whole grain, though, which I'm not a big fan of. I want uh, my white bread. Have you ever turned anything down, like, no, thank you, I
5: don't want that? Why would I do that? Yeah, that's a good point. <laughs> that's a good point. Give me more. Um, 25 years of Ferris Bueller. Let me ask you this. Did the kids that came out of that have the careers that were expected of them?
4: You know, that's a good question. Um, I... You know, I interviewed Matthew Broderick, and one of the most interesting things I got to talk to him about was, you know, the Ferris effect upon his life and his career, Mm -hmm. and what it means to be a, a grown man having been Ferris Bueller all those years ago. Um, and, and I think, uh, you know it's interesting he, he gave me a great quote I actually have it here which I, I love he told me that the Ferris role eclipsed everything I should admit and to some degree it still does I mean I've done a lot of movies and still people on the street just call me Ferris Bueller basically they say I like your movies but I have to tell you my favorite and I already know Ferris Bueller and that's a great quote you know that it eclipsed everything and it's very honest I thought too right. but he also talked about being so proud um, so proud to be associated with this movie and you know and he's, he's well aware of how loved it is and how much it means to people um you know but what's interesting with these larger than life roles like a ferris bueller is um that whole complicated thing that comes along with it of how how do you be other things too and you know i think matthew broderick made some really smart decisions um throughout his whole career i mean let's not forget do you remember how great he was in glory the civil war absolutely i mean amazing right and i would actually argue of all of these 80s youth actors that my book focuses on that um, I think Matthew Broderick has had one of the, one of the best careers in that um, he's done Broadway you know he was in the producers on Broadway gigantic hit right he's done big movies he's done little movies artsy movies election um, is terrific election is terrific and uh, he he's always working you know right. he, he makes a lot of these little indie films that unfortunately the kind of great small film that nowadays tends to go straight to DVD or straight to DVR as the case may be um, but I really think he has a, a great career i mean he was on the tonys last night he was so adorable um he's achieved something almost better in a way than having been a giant giant superstar huge you know and then fading out i mean i think he's, could you he's imagine, always going to be around
5: yeah could you imagine anyone else playing ferris uh? not
4: really i mean i i don't even think they thought of too many other people for that role i mean i i I think that the casting directors, uh, had said at one point they thought about John Cusack for it, but they really always felt that, that Matthew Broderick was the perfect fit. And, um, it's interesting. One of the reasons that I, I think they thought Matthew would be a fit was, you know, how Ferris talks to the audience, and he Mm -hmm. breaks the fourth wall so much of the time. Well, Matthew Broderick had done that in a couple of plays. The Neil Simon stuff. Exactly, the Neil Simon stuff. And uh, John Hughes used to talk about how tricky that is to to do that, and that it's not as easy as it looks. And so it's funny, of all the factors that would make him a fit for Ferris, that might have been one of the main ones.
5: Which, again, is kind of interesting, even on the Hughes thing of, like, here's him saying, this isn't a real scenario. I'm giving you... um, kind of some mythology right. for you kids to deal with here. We're talking directly to you, yeah. <laughs> explaining to you, yeah. not to take your teenage years so tight cuz he didn't do that with his other right. films. I mean, his other films uh though and and they were really mired in like, you know, the kids would have real doubts where Ferris never really did. Mm-hmm. Uh so that is kind of interesting to to see. Not too many people could pull I think Robert Downey Jr. might yeah. have been a guy that yep. would have been able to do it. Yeah. Even though he might have been a little too young. You're right. He at that would time. have
4: had a great energy for that. Because it's a very special balance of cocky but not mean <laughs> and they're you know, larger than life.
5: There was also another weird thing that never comes up that he played it a little effeminate. Yeah. That when he comes out and they're doing yeah. the I Dream of Janie uh-huh. and That's he's creepy. wearing his hair up yeah, like that. The towel, yeah. Um, <laughs> there's a very strange <laughs>
2: yeah. bit of
5: energy and he gets away
4: with it. Yeah. In a mainstream movie.
0: You know when he feels really good being in the suit, it's kind of yeah. weird, too. It's yeah. like, I'm sharp.
4: Yeah. 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 Or, or you know, he kind of talks baby talk uh, when he's faking being uh, sick oh with Oh, yeah, with his mom and, and, and you know, dad. You pulling the blanket <laughs> yeah. up around his face. But, again, all this stuff is just charming. I mean, talking about it now, we're just smiling, thinking right. about it. Um, and, by the way, he's, I don't know, how old is he now, 40-something, 50-something? But yeah. he's still so charming. I mean, he's just, that's an energy that I think a person has or doesn't, and he has that Charming energy. Uh,
5: what about um, the other people? By the way, I always loved his girlfriend. Oh, she's so
4: gorgeous. Mia Sara. Mm. Um, I got to interview her, and she looks so beautiful. I mean, she she looks amazing. Fin- I mean, certainly as beautiful as she did back then, maybe even more so. Um, she is really intelligent Um, this was one of her first big movies she had Mm -hmm. been in a movie called Legend with Tom Cruise remember that and she was playing you know, like a fairy princess and I think uh, she actually really confided in me not confided it's not (laughs) the right word to use with journalists but poured her heart out to me let's say about um, how how challenging it was for her to do this movie that she she was a real kid she had literally just finished high school whereas the rest of the cast members were in their mid-twenties or late-twenties in the case of Alan Ruck and that she really was struggling with these issues of trying to figure out who she was in the world and you know she grew up in New York City she didn't know how to drive so she she said to me there's a lot of her just kind of festering away in the Chateau Mormont like not knowing what to do with herself she told me she had a crush on Matthew Broderick and that he kind of wasn't interested and all these what? things that made it sort of hard i think for her on this shoot and she didn't I, I think she got the sense that she didn't maybe appreciate it enough at the time as she was going through it
5: i wonder if she started to appreciate it when she was doing time cop <laughs> where she said now that i'm working with the muscles from brussels <laughs> he's gonna save her <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> a couple times over even after she right. died very confusing film but yeah.
4: you know she's married to jim henson's son brian henson oh so she's got the some of that stuff. puppet Money
5: that That's Muppet nice. money. What <laughs> else no. coming out? Yeah. Uh, I don't know about <laughs> that. She's going like this. Let's sue Avenue Q. That's, <laughs> That's our bit.
0: <laughs> it pricks.
5: Well, wow, so what's that? I did not know this. So yes. they live here in New York.
4: They live, as far as I know, somewhere in L.A., the yeah. L.A. area. Um, but she's really lovely. And uh, I also interviewed Alan Ruck, Cameron, um, who has had a really great career as like a character actor. He I mean, has. You always see him on TV and in movies. and Oh, there he is. I mean, again, that's one of those really enviable careers. Think how rare it is for an actor to work really steadily for yeah. two or three decades. It's incredible. I think he had a short
5: time where he didn't work, mm-hmm. kind of went back and tried a straight life. Mm-hmm. And said, "This is stupid." People call me Cameron, and went back. But yeah, you said TV work. Yeah. He said
4: he was uh, in Speed. Do you remember that he was one of the people w- on the bus. And he was Speed because he said <laughs> the line,
5: "I've already been to the airport."
4: <laughs> this
0: bus is a bomb, Cameron. You better (laughs) stop fooling around. Fucking tourist asshole.
4: But he's Uh, a great actor. I mean, he brings real kind of gravitas to things without weighing them down too much. Did you get a chance to talk to him for your book? I did. I interviewed him, and he he was so... uh, You know, he had such happy memories about this shoot and he and matthew broderick had already have had a great kind of real-life friendship chemistry because they had been in biloxi blues together on broadway and uh, yeah and so they already had that wonderful chemistry and they didn't have to like invent it the second they showed up to do this movie it was real and it was there and a lot of improv um you know that great scene where cameron's on the phone pretending to be sloane's father so Mm -hmm. they can get the whole day off
5: exactly
4: So, Alan Reck told me that who he was really imitating in that moment was a famous Broadway director, I think, named Gene Sachs, I think that's right, who had directed, uh, he and Matthew Broderick in Biloxi Blues, and, uh, that, you know, that was sort of an inside joke, because he and Matthew knew who that voice sounded like, you know? So, a lot of hijinks on the set, and I got to interview Jennifer Gray, um, who told me all about how Fabulous it was working with John Hughes, and you know, she and Matthew Broderick, even though they played brother and sister and nemesis, they were really secretly boyfriend and girlfriend when they made this uh, movie. Yeah. Yeah. What are you saying
5: it that way for? <laughs> dirty. You should be saying, oh, <laughs> dirty. Uh, Why were they keeping it a secret?
4: Well, a few reasons. I mean, like I said, Mia, Sarah, I think, had a crush on him and so Alan Ruck said maybe that's one of the reasons they tried to keep it a secret. But who knows? I mean, I understand that. I mean, if you're on a movie set, you don't want everyone to know. You don't want things to get weird. But she did. Jennifer Grey did tell me that, you know, one of the scenes they had to film together, it's towards the end of the movie where they all kind of meet up back at the house, you know, that she had to film it so many times because she couldn't stop laughing and it was just the energy between the two of them and knowing that a secret and uh, I mean they were pretty serious. They even got engaged at one point. They never got married, but they were pretty serious. Was
5: that before or after she became a big uh, star?
4: Uh, Ferris Bueller's Day Off came out, I think, about a year or a year and a half, something like that, before Dirty Dancing. So she was not really a big star in this movie. Right. This helped put her on the map in in any kind of a real way.
5: And that next one made her a star, and then Dirty
4: Dancing made her a star. Yeah. And did you know that she won Dancing with the Stars? Well, I think last year or last season. I know or something she like was that. on it. Yeah. She um, won. She was great. I cannot recognize her since yeah. the
5: nose job's weird. Now she she's different. really cute. I mean she looks like a nice pretty person. Yeah. And yet I miss the character right. that her face had.
4: Yeah, I know. I think a lot of people feel the same way, but she's a beautiful woman, um, you know, great figure, beautiful skin, just a, I mean she's a great looking lady. Um
5: I wonder too, like, if that hurt her career because now she's
0: just kind of Mm -hmm. another pretty face.
4: That's a good question. Um, yeah, his
0: a career. That can't have fucking been good. If you're known for the fucking yeah. crazy nose, right. keep it.
5: It wasn't all that uh, crazy, was it? No. I mean, I, I, I you liked know, it. I liked it. I did it. too. It added a little
4: character. Do you remember that show? It's like you know. that was on, I think, in the nineties. It was a sitcom. She was on it. It wasn't on very long, but it yeah, was it
5: was only but, on um, six, seven episodes. That's right. It was kind of like Friends, yeah. but a little edgier.
4: But well written. But anyway, yeah. on it, as I think I remember this correctly, she sort of played a character making fun of having had a nose job, you know, so she was in on the joke of everyone thinking that she shouldn't have done it kind of thing. It's a tough call. All right,
5: Lady Trucker wants to throw something in here. Oh. Uh, about Ferris. What is it, LT? I mean,
13: I didn't like Ferris Bueller's uh, character. I think he was just a manipulative fuck that would always go against a 40-figure man.
5: All right, now, <laughs> yes, that's true. He definitely was I mean, that's what I like that about him. Mm
4: -hmm.
5: Yeah, he had stroke. He was fucking doing what he could. And, X, what was one of your favorite bands during the 90s? Ska band, say Ferris. Oh, yeah. How many people get to have (laughs) something named after?
0: Not many. Come on, he was a huge... a well, Lady Trucker, I think, it really does like Ferris Bueller. Yeah, she does. She's being an idiot. I don't know why <laughs> she would say that.
5: By the way, Susanna Gore is sitting in here with us today. Uh, you couldn't ignore me if you tried. You could see how much attention, and yes, I'm going to say it, love, yes, that yeah. you give the 80s uh, movies. And you did this... Before John Hughes had died that's right, um, which not a lot of people were doing
4: right it 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 came out after he died, but I had finished writing basically finished writing the book before he died and uh, you know since then i mean i'm I'm just glad that he's been honored the way he has and I mean I'm glad that the Oscars did that wonderful tribute to him, uh, which is very out of the ordinary I mean normally when someone passes away the Oscars did They do that little montage of clips, you know, where each person gets five or ten seconds in the sad music. And the fact that he had this incredible tribute with so many of his great uh, actors, people like Molly Ringwald, Matthew Broderick up on stage. um, To me, that really vindicated, in a way, um, his his impact.
5: Yeah, particularly when not one of those movies, I don't think, picked up one Oscar nomination for anything.
4: No, I mean, and real film snobs wouldn't. Ever utter the the word John Hughes within the same sentence as Oscar? You know, back when he was making these movies, I think it just took time for people to realize how important they were.
1: Uh,
5: Molly Ringwald, Matthew Broderick, Judd Nelson, Anthony Michael Hall, Andrew McCarthy, Rob Lowe, John Cusack, Cameron Crowe, Ali Sheedy. You were able to talk to all those people for your book.
4: Yes, I was. I was so lucky that I was able to. Um, and you know, it, it wasn't always easy to get people to talk to me. Um, but, but, once, once people did talk to me, they were amazing, and they they would pour their hearts out and tell me their memories. Uh, it was incredible. I mean, talking with people about things that had happened 20, 25 years ago, um, it's amazing because you know they've had all this time to process the memories, mm-hmm. to really think about things, to think about what they regret or what they miss. Um, a lot mm-hmm. of beautiful memories in there, and I just felt so lucky that they shared them with me.
5: Well, Rob Lowe just put out his own book recently, and I think in that he finally said. Hey, Brad Pack was a lot cooler name. Than we gave it credit for. Right. That at the time they were like, please. Right. And they actually scattered, I think, once they the did. name.
4: that's one of the things I talk about in my book. Uh, you know, they really had been each other's good friends and they mm-hmm. were having a wonderful time together. Um, and then when that article happened, the cover story in New York Magazine that called them Hollywood's Brat Pack and that painted them as kind of a bunch of partiers, uh, they, understandably, they suddenly didn't feel as comfortable hanging out anymore. And Ali Sheedy talked to me about how heartbreaking that was that she said she had never really felt that she fit in before like in high school and then suddenly she finds this group of friends who she relates to and they love the same things acting art you know and that then this article comes out and kind of just blows that all to pieces and uh in a way that was almost more sad than the professional ramifications of that article right
5: but it's just an article and it's just new york magazine why couldn't they have just blown this off you know look how many bad articles have come out let's say about Tom Cruise but he just keeps his head down and makes another hit movie
4: well that's a good point I think there's a few answers to that number one um, uh, within you know a few days of that article running newspapers everywhere started using the phrase Brat Pack or mm-hmm. Brat Packer. anytime there'd be an article about any of these actors. So, And in a pre-internet era, I mean, that's really insane. Yeah, it was huge. So, uh, it, the thing is, it didn't go away. You know what I mean? They they label, they phrase, it just kind of stuck to all of them, even those who had nothing to do with the night on the town that this New York Magazine writer went on the town with a few of them. Like Molly Ringwald certainly wasn't there that night out on the town in the Hard Rock Cafe with that writer, right. and yet she got lumped into all that because he talked a bit about the breakfast club you know he talked about the journalist who i also interviewed david bloom talked about this wave of like this hollywood youth quake kind of hot movies about young people and so suddenly any person who was young in hollywood in the 80s in a way got lumped in with that phrase and they've all struggled with it i think over the years now the good news is so many years have passed er, they all know that the phrase has kind of cool romantic tones now if anything Uh but at the time i think it was hurtful and it's interesting as, as you know, one thing to point out is the word pack could be almost as hurtful to their careers as the word brat, because pack means they're just like one of a group. Right? They're not an individual. They're just part of this group of actors. And I think that could have been hurtful as well to some of their careers.
5: But if you really look back on their audience was young, yeah, wasn't going to be turned off by that, right you know it's like the Beatles could have got mad over the name Fab four or right. mop tops, right, but again, you just keep yeah. going keep going, yeah, I think that so that there was too much sensitivity,
4: yeah, that could be. by
5: some of these kids
4: well, the article actually, also there was a lot of stuff in the article, like mm-hmm. actual content in there that n- didn't necessarily make them seem the most professional um you know, like, and uh, what, fairly or unfairly so, you know, I don't know. But, um, you know, I remember Judd Nelson telling me that after that article came out, serious directors would be like, oh, isn't he one of those Brad Pack kids? And mm-hmm. so those are the ways in which this article had a ripple effect, I think. But um, but the good news is now you say the word Brad Pack and people just smile. You know, they think of the movies they love from the 80s. So it all kind of worked out.
5: How come somebody hasn't thought of some kind of reunion movies with these guys? you got to feel like there's a be big paycheck for everybody.
4: Well, I mean, I, I asked Molly Ringwald about if she would ever do remakes or sequels or anything like that. And one thing that was very important to her at the time, when, when I interviewed her, it was before Hughes had died, was she basically felt she wasn't going to do anything that Hughes didn't kind of okay or put mm-hmm. his imprimatur on. And um, so now that he's gone, it just it leaves a lot of that up in the air. But uh, it is amazing I mean, when we think about, like, Teen Wolf, you know, being on MTV now. right? And what a relatively minor, no offense, Teen Wolf fans, but what a relatively minor movie that was compared to some of these. Um, it is interesting that there hasn't been more done with these movies.
5: I think the fact that uh, the Brett Easton Ellis, Less Than Zero, came in after that and kind of showed a darker side
2: mm-hmm.
5: of that. Uh, John Hughes was the one person who didn't go darker, right? Right. Yeah. Even St. Elmo's Fire was a little darker than what John Hughes had done.
4: Absolutely. Uh, And I interviewed Joel Schumacher, who did St. Elmo's Fire. And um, it's interesting. You know, we think of 80s. A lot of times we think of cocaine and partying and drug use and all that stuff. I do. (laughs) Well, that's certainly (laughs) the way a lot of movies and pop culture portray it. But the kids in the Hughes movies are relatively tame. I mean, there's that cute scene where they smoke pot in the breakfast club where it's really funny. Where Anthony Michael Hall has sunglasses on and, you know, does the funny voice. But even that's used for good reason. It's to show what these characters would be like if they really, you know, let their guard down. Mm-hmm. Um, I think that uh, there's an innocence to these films in a way because they talk about sex, they talk about drugs, but you know, we don't see the characters actually doing a lot of those things. Maybe that's part of why it's so timeless in a way.
5: Uh, 25 years, St. Elmo's Fire. Now, you look back at your era, Hicks. Your teen years, yeah. Did you have anything along the lines of anything to?
0: I, th- I think, like during m- during when I was in high school, it was like can't hardly wait and like American Pie mm-hmm. and just like the really shitty fucking teen <laughs> movies, right? Where it turns, it was basically an industry and just mm-hmm. turning them out,
5: right? It's depressing. I, I saw someone. Uh, there was a thing the other day that they did a who's been the worst reviewed person ever. By Rotten Tomatoes. Oh, no. And one person, I guess, would have been considered a teen star, uh, Jennifer Love Hewitt. Really? Is the wow. worst reviewed person. That's so interesting. I'm, I, yeah, so then I went over to Rotten Tomatoes, and not one of hers ever has a positive. That's Holy interesting. Everything is less than huh. 50% wow. that she's ever been involved in. Huh. And the I Know What You Did Last Summers. <laughs> and then she did Can't
0: Hardly Wait, Yeah, right? she was in that. She yeah. was like the lead, the chick, yeah. the highest broad school. I would have thought Tara Reid would have beaten her out. Um. Well, Tara
5: Reid was in, uh, you know, yep. some of the films that
0: right. she was in. Not, okay, okay, not right, just yeah. as
5: an actress.
0: <laughs> all right, yeah, yeah.
5: But, uh, you know, she was in a Cohen Brothers film.
10: Right.
0: Oh, shit, yeah, Lebowski, fuck. Yeah. I right, so yeah, so, that, oh, that's like cheating, then.
5: Yeah, it is cheating, <laughs> but it's just saying mm-hmm. by... Because you're not you're not reviewed just as an actor. Mm-hmm. You're reviewed... Now, there's a, a lot of good actors who have done a lot of awful stuff.
2: Mm-hmm.
5: Uh, Dennis Quaid was in here not too long ago, and he's like, most movies stink, right? Like,
0: <laughs> you... Because you'll do anything. You really like paychecks, huh? Yeah, uh-huh. you really do. Shit, you really like money.
5: Fuck. I always thought There's a, a thing where i think nick cage and dennis quaid must think <laughs> i may never get another offer i'm taking this because wow. i can't imagine nick cage going no not this one. <laughs> um, i'm above this because i would immediately call him back <laughs> if he rejected and go i'm going to give you eight scripts you've already done <laughs> that are worse than this one and, uh... Uh, i figure i could just start banging at a keyboard <laughs> And come up with something better than most Nick Cage
0: yeah. movies. Yeah, Sorcerer's Apprentice was really mm. terrible. I caught and that's far like from bad. his worst. Yeah, I know. That's that's far down the line.
5: <laughs> so there wasn't a there wasn't anyone to fill in John Hughes' shoes. I guess the slasher films
4: kinda of in the 90s and. Well, uh, yeah, no, I mean, in the late 90s, there was this, another kind of teen renaissance, although I don't want to make it sound better than it was, but there were a lot of good teen Freddy movies. You in your films? Yeah, or even good ones like, um, you know, Rushmore, Election, you know, Cruel Intentions, which is fun and kind of a campy way. But the point is they were cranking a lot, out a lot of teen movies and making money off of teen movies again in that moment. I mean, teen movies were all, will always be pretty profitable profitable yeah. because you're usually using stars you don't have to pay huge salaries to and if you're not using any CGI or anything like that and the theory being that teenagers will go see a movie over and over and over again so if you have a if you hit with something like a super bad uh, you know it costs you almost nothing to make it and kids are seeing it again and again and again and buying the DVD or whatever. And that's sort of the magic formula. That's how all these Hughes films were so successful. They cost almost nothing to make and they made oh. a ton of movie in theaters and on VHS. What do you think were the original teen movies?
5: Did we look back and? That's a
4: good question. I mean, I, I you know, uh, of course, in the I think a lot of people would argue that the fifties was kind of the real beginning of real sort of teen culture uh, in any kind of a serious way, you know, movies, music, etc. Then a little later, we talk about the beach blanket bingos and right. stuff like that, you know. But they, they, there were some movies about teenagers that were serious, of course. Rebel Without a Cause, you know, that's pretty serious. Even uh, you know, West Side Story. If you think about it, they're teenagers. Sure. Um, but what was so special about Hughes and this moment in the eighties was he was the first person to give to make this a whole genre in and of itself. He was the first person to make it we, that at any given moment there's always a, a movie about teenagers in theaters or being made.
5: And he also did that Orson Welles thing is I'm going to use a company of players exactly of my own. And did he do that with the crew as well? Did he kind of use the same crew?
4: I think a lot of the times he did. He certainly, you know, Howie Deutsch, who, who I also got to interview, uh, directed Pretty and Pink, which Hughes wrote and produced, and directed Some Kind of Wonderful, which Hughes wrote and produced. I know he used a lot of times the same woman who did costumes on all of these movies, and David Anderley, who I spoke to, did the music on a lot of these movies. So once Hughes was comfortable with someone, uh, and trusted them, you know, that was a, that was a big hurdle with him, I think, for him. He didn't just love everyone. You know, you kind of had to really be okay with him, and then once you were, you were usually good to go. Um, So, yeah, and it's part of building the brand, you know, seeing Uh the same actors on screen. Judd Apatow has done that, of course, too.
5: Here's uh, Jay. Jay, what do you got for me, buddy?
6: Hey, uh, Ronnie. Yeah. How's it going? Uh, Best team movie that I've ever seen? Dazed and Confused, man.
5: Dazed and Confused was uh, made early 90s and about the 70s. That's right. Uh, The one thing that I will give you is complete... Credit for is I think that they were not nostalgia in the general way, where right. I think if you look at that film that's a nostalgic film, but there was also very something about the eighties movies were nostalgic for the exact time that they were in that's and right. that, that that i I do feel that he felt like to these kids, Hey, pay attention to what you're you're living right now
4: it's kind of like the Winnie Allen movie,
5: yeah. It is. Here's Matt. You're here in Manifest.
6: Hey, how are you, you guys doing today? Um, my quintessential teen movie would have to be The Breakfast Club. Uh,
4: um. Does that work the same way for you, Suzanne? Oh, to me, The Breakfast Club is, it's my favorite movie of all time. And I'm a film journalist, so that mm-hmm. really is saying something, you know. Uh, that's the movie that I had the, the poster hanging on my childhood bedroom wall. Um, I think it's the best, in my opinion, the best movie ever made about young people. I'm sure some people would argue Rebel Without a Cause or something is better. But to me, it's The Breakfast Club. Perfectly drawn characters, totally compelling storyline, totally satisfying ending. And there had never been anything like it before.
5: Um, here is uh, Brian. Brian, you're Manifest.
6: Yeah, I was actually just calling about Rebel Without a Cause being the original teen movie. Like, I'm not sure if it was, a, it was the first one, but, you know, I guess. It was
5: an I interesting guess. film. I mean, if you really think about it, the Andy Hardy movies might be, mm-hmm. you know, when they were like the 30s or something yeah. with Judy Garland or early 40s. Um, Rebel Without a Cause, I remember I saw that on TV. The first time you remember the first time you saw Rebel Without Cause? Oh uh, yeah,
0: my dad saw. It. I think it was like one of the first times we got a, uh, when we first got a VCR. He went out and got it, and made me watch. And
5: made you sit down here and wanted yeah. to watch this? Oh yeah,
0: you do that all the time.
5: I remember seeing it on regular TV, and then the next day I was in school and I was just start poking his on like this. Why'd you kill the puppies? <laughs> Why'd you kill the puppies? Because I was really like, I can't believe because I had known like the name James Dean yeah. before I saw the movie because Happy Days used to do a lot of james dean Damn. jokes so i thought oh james dean he's he's probably like fonzie I think, <laughs> you know he kind of was <laughs> then just see just how broken that character was yeah. you know east of eden killed me hmm. uh jennifer would like you to come she wants you to come oh, over how now exciting. so we'll still be here if you get a chance to stop back okay um, but don't feel like you have to leave her because okay. I want you to get on with that audience. You need another copy of your book. Oh, to I'm, give I'm her. Good. She have one. I'm good. All right. Uh, this is Susanna Gore stop by here. Please, if you get the opportunity, to pick up this book. You couldn't ignore me if you tried. Uh, another fun read for people uh, to go over all the '80s movies at the time. I'll see you in a little bit. Okay. If you don't have a chance to stop back. Okay. Talk to you soon. Bye. Bye. Um, well, we've only got 15 minutes left, so go enjoy your time okay. with her. Thanks. And I'm going to have you back on again soon. Thanks,
4: everyone.
5: All right, bye-bye. Bye-bye. We've um, been trying to get her on the other channel with the whatever girls. Or girl. Do you know what? Who cares? That's not my business. <laughs> Just saying. If she wants to go freaking sell it on a weekend, none of my business. Did you put Jay on the list because she's going to come up and do a voiceover? Yes. Done, done. Done and done, or just done, done. Done and done. You know what? I, I've I haven't ignored you all day. I've ignored you. I've ignored Fez. Fez actually left Fez, on me. Fez,
0: yeah, he stormed out. <laughs> Did storm out? I guess he was slinked out. <laughs> there was much storming. Probably not sooner.
5: Stand uh, stand uh, stand alone fruit. Oh, not a
0: not stand alone fruit. Oh, it um, is, needs buddy fruits.
5: When we get back live, I want to start doing Ask Pepper Hicks again because we haven't done that. The show has been really primarily not live. We'll be live in about another 15 minutes. Yeah. But because I've been doing jury duty, I haven't been able to be completely live. Mm -mm. And I don't think... You've been able to get the full attention and love you need from me. Oh no, Ron! Give I, me you, a top You have dude. a lot. Of, you have a lot of stuff. Just that on doesn't mean that I, just, I don't love you. I'm just you. saying. I, I love. Did you enjoy your salad?
0: It pretty good. I don't know. I know it's this. You don't eat it as fast as you would a sandwich <laughs> or a piece of cake. Yeah, oh no, no. I, I'm gonna uh, I'm gonna just bite at it a little bit. But this, I don't know what kind of sauce. Like, we'll, we'll go on a salad. A salad dressing. Oh, a salad dressing. Oh, I. I could you don't know it, what it is? I have no clue. It's very brown and liquidy. But have you smelled it at all? I smelled it. It wasn't a pleasant smell. See, here's the problem with getting a salad from a woman.
5: They will think, how can I lose weight? Oh, no. Mm. You can smell the vinegar in
0: there. Yeah, okay. I thought I It's
5: probably it. like a vinegar and oil, and the brown is some kind of spices... Because women, they're not like you. They care about their weight. Oh. Oh, come on.
0: you got to eat good.
5: Where it's, you really it care, feel good. it's probably a balsamic ven- uh, venegrif. Oh, okay. Guess. I've heard that word before. Yeah. So you're not being... So don't <laughs> eat a dry salad. Why don't you take some of your salad and dip it in the dressing? All right, I can or dip.
0: what you call it, sauce. I'm going to dip it in the salad sauce.
5: <laughs> what? I never heard of someone... Who's going, what is this called? And it's salad
0: dressing. <laughs> just say I, I don't know. Oh, no. That's not the me. <laughs> What's it taste a little too healthy? Uh, I just spit that out.
5: You fucking eat anything.
0: It tastes like fucking burning or something. I don't know. Uh, that that was very acidic-y and not to my palate. You, ain't, you eat angel dust. Why won't you have a balsamic vinegar? That's because the cops are coming <laughs> I don't want to get arrested. Oh man, <laughs> I was furious at this. What I had to do in Grand
5: jury I'm not allowed to talk about it. Oh, but a dope bust so close to here. Oh shit! And guess what? The thing that brought the cops in—undercover cops.
0: Oh Jesus Christ, dude had cash in his hand. <gasps> that's it. Yeah. That's so. You, if I'm just walking on the fucking street with some fucking some bills out, they're gonna—they're gonna use that as probable cause. Yeah. Oh, my I was furious. God. That's terrible.
5: Yeah, I was furious. I probably can't talk about all these, but Jesus Christ. I don't know why the fucking people in the grand jury won't once relate to the defendant. That can't <laughs> That can't be legal, though. Well, here's another thing. It is. No, it can't be. But right away, this makes me... Everyone who has money in their fucking hand in the streets, a criminal? As soon as I hear something like this. Uh, this is the state of New York against Chris Stanley. I'll be oh, like, shit. Well that's
0: not fair. I'm gonna be I'm gonna try to fucking pull for that dude. I don't have a fucking budget. <laughs> yes. Jesus Christ, I got a paycheck. That's not right. I'm that's a fucking... whole state against one person. They're all organized and shit.
5: Yeah. <laughs> Unbelievable.
0: Hey, peek in there
5: and let me know if she's doing okay. Now I feel weird. I put these two girls together. I want them to get along nice. Yeah, I, I'm sure they will. You think they'll practice kissing? Oh, without a doubt. Give me a topic that's been on your head. I don't want, you know, I had to get into Fez's stuff, then fucking Laura's weirdness. <laughs> and, and notice that she's trying to act like, I don't have a good producer in you. Did you pick up on that? Um,
0: I don't throw people under the bus ever. I've never done it. And I'm not going to start now. Well, first of all, that's the way uh, she talks with that under the
5: bus. Uh, I don't even fucking believe in that.
0: Yeah, it doesn't make any sense. But, yeah, I don't know. If she didn't want to bring things up, then why'd she bring them up? <laughs> Come on. Seriously. All right, it's neither here nor there. <laughs> I would rather you got pissed. I was trying to get you pissed so you would get into it with her. Oh, I was. I was pissed.
5: Well, you need to be pissed on the air. Okay. Not off the air. That's oh, not Jesus entertaining Christ. for me. <laughs> I'd rather you were happy off the air and furious on the air.
0: Oh, gee, that'd be, that'd be a crazy fucking. Uh, <laughs> Juxtaposition. So you were really mad at her? I know. Just, they just kept. If she kept on saying, I don't want to throw you on the bus as you're throwing them under the fucking bus.
5: First of all, you gotta know I don't care about Ahmed. Ahmed.
0: I know you don't. I know. I never heard of this fucker before. Yeah, I know. I sometimes I make bad decisions. Well, what was the bad decision? I don't know. <laughs> I don't know what the bad decision was. Probably not. That Probably just staying silent in the booth. You, but you could have said to her, "Lord, no one
5: gives a two shits about Ahmed Ahmed. Because <laughs> you know we don't. I know. But I was trying to get you uh,
0: pissed off by her. Okay. I was, that's what I was going for. I kept on the inside, which sometimes I tend to do that. So That's going to get you a stroke. Oh, I'm sure it will. I, without a doubt. I've thought, I'm going to say the same thing as you, as I said to
5: Clarence Clemens. you got to watch out for that blood pressure.
0: Well, luckily, I don't pl- play a musical instrument, so maybe that'll. Do you think out. that's yeah. what had him tense? I don't know. Thanks, Bruce. He's just blowing into that fucking horn all day. That's long. right. My <laughs> okay. on your. I mind? hope he's okay. Yeah, he should be. All right, good. I believe in him. All right, good.
5: Maybe my favorite guest we've ever had in here in terms of personality. He was pretty awesome when he came Yeah, he was just great. Day. Remember he and I were singing Tenth Avenue Freeze out together oh, yeah. before oh, we went on the air? That was <laughs> that was like a fucking childhood dream. I'd never been to a Springsteen show where everyone wasn't happy. That's awesome. When he got
0: introduced. Fuck yeah, it's the big man. Like black Santa Claus. <laughs> you should get more of a beard though. I don't need that for my Santa Claus. Really? You want cliche? <laughs> yes, like I want a five o'clock shadow. <laughs> yeah, I don't like a big fucking furry face Santa Claus. <laughs> Makes me uncomfortable when I'm a little kid. Huh. All right, check that. He What's on your mind? All right, there's a guy in California who is now trying to search for Bin Laden's body. He's a, a self-proclaimed fucking eccentric uh, uh, diver, and now he's getting a ship together and DNA equipment to comb the oceans for Bin Laden's body.
5: Well, his chances of finding a fucking body on the bottom of the ocean? Nil. No.
0: No. I think he's got it. I think he's going to be
5: able to do it. It took those assholes years to find a Titanic, <laughs> and that thing was made out of fucking metal.
0: I don't know. I, maybe the maybe the fucking American government put like a GPS on him, make sure it knew where he was at all times.
5: Yeah, but they're not announcing that to fucking help this guy Uh-oh. find him.
0: Uh-oh. Oh, this God. is a fool's fucking. This is fool's gold. Millionaires really got a lot of money to burn. I mean, seriously, what the hell was that? I don't know. This place is apart. Yeah, pretty much.
5: I uh, remember that guy that I, I brought in here yeah. last week. Uh-huh. He told the other jurors, "That's like Hollywood in the sky. It's
0: <laughs> a good description.
5: He also wrote me a uh, fucking thank you note that went on for pages. <laughs> really? It's about how great you guys are. Oh. How you made him feel like a VIP.
0: Oh, it's good. Yeah, he's really nice. Oh, I'm glad he's happy. I'm glad he came out of this good. Did you hear who was in the building today? Well, today being... Monday. All right, let
5: me guess. Let me just try and guess. Was it somebody you guys thought was cool? Uh,
0: It's just just a gigantic star.
5: Uh, Big star, New York, Will Smith?
0: Yes, Mr. Will Smith. Whoa! That's fucking crazy. How the fuck did you know that?
5: Well, I know that he's shooting a movie in New York, and you said gigantic star, and we already had Gaga.
0: Who else would you consider a gigantic star these days? Tom Cruise. Just coming in here. Not after his last movies. Oh, no, no. What, Night and Day was great? Or night and Day only
5: made like $60 million. <laughs> what
0: a fucking terrible piece of shit.
5: It is terrible, but I've had it on a couple of times. <laughs> Just oh, like yeah? when I'm walking around the house.
0: <laughs> was, he, was he fucking a good secret agent? or
5: No, you know, it's it's Mr. and Mrs. Smith for the unfucking sexual people. <laughs> <laughs> they had no chemistry? Tom Cruise and her? Tom Cruise would have chemistry with John Travolta. Oh, I don't shit. know about with a real woman. I'm not saying that in a bad way. He's a big star.
0: But Mr. Smith looked very fit. He was looking good in yeah. a non-gay way. But
5: it's still gay. Oh, I mean, really? talking about another man's body is always gay. <laughs> Even if... Maybe if a sport wasn't being played, it was just like, hey, he looks good in that blouse, that's gay. He had a nice tight shirt on. Why? Can I ask you a question? Sure. All right, you and Dave do the sports show, right? Yeah. You guys do it together. No. Yeah. How come I'm never once invited You're in? You're an open invitation. I don't. I, first of all, A, that's all I'm hearing, and B, you I don't come want whatever you want. I want a specific invitation. All right, specific
0: invite. Fine. We'll come by this Wednesday. No, because I just brought it up. You're gonna have to wait a while okay. now. Okay. <laughs> all right, I'll, I'll pick out a nice date. Well, I don't want you to do it now again. Oh, I gotta open this calendar. Wait. See, now it feels like you don't want me there. You just feel fucking weird about well, it. Next Wednesday's out. Why is that? Well, I mean, I think the studio's gonna get renovated. I'm not sure. <laughs> okay. <laughs> I'll find out a nice date.
5: I don't want and I don't want one now. Just sometime in the future. Okay. But I'm least than expecting it.
0: Well, there. Okay. All right. I won't even talk about it anymore then. That's perfect. <laughs> Secrets. Or a surprise party, really.
5: That would be fucking great. Seriously, if you guys just told me that, oh, like, a friend of mine died and you need me to see the body, and then I go over there and you yell, surprise, we're doing the sports show.
0: Surprise! Like, seriously, I would love that. Why is the funeral up in this, like, fifty floor of this building?
5: Uh, is it, well, I guess tonight's show is when Fez and I are doing Jennifer's show.
0: Yeah, yeah.
5: And then we're going to tape that and play it with our show tomorrow.
0: Yes, that's going to all be. I guess it's kind of like a delayed simulcast.
5: By Friday, I'm done. And by the way, I am re helping Fez restructure his life. I good. made that up today. Okay. Because the Fez character isn't coming back, but I still think he can do some other characters. Of course he can. Whenever
0: it said, "Hey Fez, come on some characters." What do you think would done. be a good character for him? Uh, I'd say. Reginald the florist. Does that sound like... See, I'd like to go in this direction. Oh, okay, no florist. I think
5: he should do some kind of manly guy All right. over the over top. Over the top manly, okay. You know, the steak eater, beer drinker, cigar smoker. Mm-hmm. Uh, You know, the D-man, where he's just <laughs> something, where he plays that. And I think that's so far from him that he could yeah, fun with it and Yeah.
0: Yeah. Oh yeah, with that I could see that definitely.
5: Where it's some kind of Fezzy man. But he doesn't I don't want him to tie in with Fez anymore. Because I think he gets this weird thing of like Fez should be right and that's how I mean hearing him do so much stuff where he's just like Well this is insane and I'm like, Yeah, all right, well you know, go in a direction about it.
0: Yeah. He's uh,
5: trying to be logical, Fez.
0: No, there's no, there should be no logic involved in any of this. Jesus Christ! All right, so I picked mine for him. You have him. You want him to be a florist, Reginald the florist? Yeah. That's
5: stupid. Okay, Reginald oh. the florist. Mine's gonna be the D man.
0: <laughs> um, Nothing wrong with the D man? T- I think Reginald has some legs. He's selling flowers. Uh, He's rocking the flower district. Now,
5: we're going to freeze this. Yeah. -hmm. Well, we're going to be here live in a moment. Yeah, we're coming back. And I'm going to give Fez the opportunity to let him know that next week he's going to play one of these two characters. Now, I don't know whether we should have him play it all the time and just say Fez is on vacation. Mm -hmm. And I'm only either going to deal with the D-man or Reginald de Flores, Because I think it might give Fez... And I'm serious. Fez needs to be let go. He's just not coming back.
0: It doesn't seem good, to put it lightly.
5: And then eventually, I'll just start and call the D-man Fez. And he'll think that that's him. Oh, sure. Because right. that's what happened with Fez.
0: Yeah. Wow, that's crazy! That could. Or I, Reginald the florist. Or Reggie the florist. Yeah. The
5: problem with your character is yeah. he actually has to know
0: something about flowers. Whatever, he can just make shit up. Who cares? Um, it's Reggie. It's the Reg man.
5: I still like Demon. I want him to be like so macho, stupid mm-hmm. macho that Fez can think. I can make fun of this character. Yeah. Because he used to make fun of Fez. That's how the character Fez was like, Hello, everyone! What's up? And now he's like, Anyone who does anything in a gay is an asshole. And only he does it this way. Anyone who does anything in a gay is an asshole. That's become <laughs> Fez's voice. <laughs> well, now he's going to be the man. You know what I'm saying, Ron? Yeah. Let's fuck some bronze. Actually, I would like to hang out with that guy.
0: He sounds like he's kind of like the man. <laughs> Sounds like he's eat got- your fucking
5: salad. Okay. You know what? This is really funny. <laughs> As happy and I'm gonna make you take that back. Whatever you don't finish, okay. I'm gonna make you give it to Ms. Hutt. That's fine. She can she can dig in. But she's not she's gonna be she's gonna be mad that you didn't eat.
0: That's fine. That's that's no problem with that. Mm. Not a fan of that balsamic vinegar or whatever, though. You fucking sound like Jurassic Park eating that <laughs> salad over there. It's, it's not bad. Hold oh, right. No fucking blue cheese or whatever. Ranch? No. See, that's the problem. That's what men
5: like. Like, <laughs> what's the creamiest thing that we can put on? And then women always go
0: in the opposite direction. Ah, oh, boo, boo. That shit. I want some ranch. It's delicious. Why don't you just Mixed be vegetables taste like- so good. Why don't you
5: just be like a little kid and put mayonnaise on it?
0: Fuck yeah, I wouldn't mind that. <laughs> well she had some like macaroni salad come in here with that. That'd be fucking great. Jesus, that would be great. Right? Hell yeah.
5: Are you guys planning a big party for me on Friday? I don't know, are we? Cigars, cakes, everybody. Going I, don't nuts want, for I don't me. wanna
0: I wanna I wanna ruin anything for you, boss?
5: The the answer is no then. I'm not ruining anything. Alright. Uh we break we come back we're live live as a son of a bitch All right Run a fez. <laughs> the uh ron and fez show and uh we are uh live now i'm at a grand jury today and uh we were playing a best of uh on my way home uh i got uh some awful news and um i know some of the folks out there have already heard it but if you've been a long time listener to uh the Ron and Fez Show and the Opie and Anthony Show, going back over ten years now. Um, we lost. We lost uh, one of our best pals today. Uh, Irish Alki has been a great friend to uh, not only the ONA a guys and the Ron and Fez guys, but to everybody uh, in that community for a long, long time. And uh, just found out that after many years that he hasn't really been 100%, um, going back over the last, uh, my memories of, of just hearing about losing him today, uh, was going back over Casey and Dave's wedding, and different parties where he would uh, his health was in bad shape. And then, of course, he uh, rallied back. Uh, today we found out, and I guess it was just this morning, that he passed away uh, unexpectedly. So in a little bit, I'll open up the phone lines for uh, any memories at all that you have of our, our good buddy, Irish Uh 866-RON-ZERO-FEZ. 866-RON-ZERO-FEZ. Again, I just um, heard this a little while ago and had the chance to uh, talk with Solera. The uh, real truth is that doing this uh, show over the last 10 years, uh, when we first came to New York, and uh, hanging out at NEW, and being able to... uh, be part of something that uh, was brewing in New York at that time it was just uh, amazing. It was an amazing, amazing uh, thing to be a part of. And the other strange thing is, uh, it was really the first time, I think, that the Internet uh, brought so many of the listeners uh, together with each other. And something incredibly... Uh, wild started to uh, happen, that the people who would listen to our show and ONA show, message boards had started and parties for that had started. And then you um, started to find out that so many of the people who were part of that community were getting together, uh, hooking up, and people got married and had kids and uh, it was uh, an amazing, amazing thing to be a part of. And we met some really, really terrific people uh, over the years. Um, many of us, uh, particularly in New York, in a, a post-9-11 uh, time that we all started to de- get together more and more and kind of huddle together and it got very, very close. And it was uh, was just extraordinary times, and the thing for us was, I think, out of all the people who got together and knew each other, um, Alki and Solera were the king and queen of our prom. They were the uh, funny ones and the most fun ones. And this is just a uh, heartbreaking day for us. It's one of those things where you don't have to... When you have certain experiences with people, uh, you don't have to... uh, talk about it with each other. And in the case of this, of, of... You know, for being a person who's been around um, funny people and uh, people who make their living out of being funny for all my adult life, Uh, it's not that long of a list of people that could really make me laugh. And Alki was one of those folks. Uh, I... And also, you know, when you hear stuff like that, you think of so many other people that you've known and kind of, they flow in and out of your life from time to time. So when I'm thinking about Alki today, I'm thinking about a lot of people uh, from those times. And, uh, of course, thinking about Alki's family and the people who uh, loved him the most. So we will open up some... uh, Phone lines today, 866-RON-ZERO-FEZ, 866-RON-ZERO-FEZ. It is a it's a sad one, um, but also we'll look back over some of this stuff when Alki had done our shows over the years. Uh, if you can find anything from the Thanksgiving shows, I think that would be uh, fantastic. Uh, let's go over here to Kevin, hey, Kevin you on, on the RON-FEZ Ron show.
9: Hey, Ron and Fez, I'm um,
2: yeah.
6: sorry about Alki. Uh, my condolences to, uh, to Lara and, and her family and to you guys. I remember Alki primarily from, the like you said, the holiday shows, you know. Everybody got together uh, as a family gathering. And uh, I never got to meet the guy. Of course, I don't live up there. But um, he always seemed to be a real decent guy and real funny to listen to. So my condolences to you guys. um uh, Please pass
5: that on to the family. Thank you very much, my friend. Um, 866-RON-ZERO-FEZ, 866-RON-ZERO-FEZ. It is a crazy thing about radio. It's a... I don't think that you get it in other mediums. I don't think that if you are on television, you end up knowing... a a great many of the uh, viewers or if you're a uh, writer for a newspaper that you don't run into a uh, a bunch of the people who read your column. But there's just something about uh, radio that is just astounding that you get the chance to know people. You know people who call the show. Uh, you know people who... Um, show up and and the strangest thing of all is when you find out how much you just have in common with each other um here's joe joe you're on the run of Fizz show
6: hey
14: ron just wanted to send condolences to you guys and so I, I didn't know Aki that well but i've heard from him you know the last few years um it's amazing how bad this can make you feel when you really don't know anybody outside of just being on the radio. I mean, the only other two times I felt this bad, when Chippy Tom passed, and then when, uh, um, what's his name lost his wife? I can't even think of her name now. I know her, but, uh, the guy that does the movie reviews. Yeah,
5: I understand. Yeah. Um yeah it is because for whatever uh reason when you uh start and do uh shows like this
1: uh wow a
5: closeness uh will show up in your life from time to time, and then just like everything else in life uh we just we take it for granted up to a certain extent we just do. Michelle in Alabama, you're on the Run-A-Fest show.
13: Hi, Ron. Yeah. Um, I just wanted to say I live far away, but I've been on Pell Talk for years, and Solera and Alki were two of the first people I met, and, and I just wanted to reiterate what you said. It's just really strange how the radio medium has almost become part of mine and my husband's family. We've met some of the greatest people on the, in the world on Pal Talk, and through your show and O&A, and... It's just really sad some of our best friends
5: have passed away, and my heart goes out to their family today um pal talk of course uh where those guys actually did that kind of podcast on there, and I remember once we even brought them over to um to do the uh show on x m but i think I think it was Friday nights uh that they would do it every week and uh they're hysterical. They're just a hysterical cu- couple. The two of them together just always made me laugh. Uh, look who it is! It's our buddy GVAC. Vac.
15: Gentlemen, uh, again, my my deepest love is to everybody that knew Pat and loved them. What a what a great guy. Honestly, he was. Uh he was hilarious, man. I mean, uh, this is going back This is going back 10 years probably. Shortly after one of the first bar crawls, you know, we had met and we exchanged phone numbers and he called me one night. It was, I don't know, wintertime or something, 2001, uh, something like that. And he was like, hey, I'm up in your area working. You want to meet for a beer? And I went and met him at a bar and, I mean, just laughed the whole night. I mean, the guy was just one of those guys that could hold court and just, you know, and, and getting to know him and Solera over the years and everything, and uh, it's a tough one. But, but what a beautiful guy, really.
5: Um, yeah. I, I, you know, I met you guys just about the same time, g It's very strange, but it seemed like we all met each other at that, you know, like in a six, seven-month um, opening there.
15: Yeah, yeah. It was it was that time like you said, you know, we started having the bar crawls right after 9/11 and it was just such a weird time and everybody was just looking to get close with people and and that's what happened and, and uh, it, it was it was special, as as awful and tragic as 9/11 was. I I I can't help but look back on those days with a lot of great memories as crazy as it sounds and getting to meet Everybody from the whole Ron and Fez world, not just you guys, mm. but but all the other fans and listeners and everything. And uh, it, it was incredible. It was an incredible time, and, and you forged lifelong friendships from it. And and this is this is a stunner, man. This yeah. is a stunner because, like I said, he was just he was just uh he was something special. He really, really was. Yeah. Well,
2: and, uh, my, my heart out to Solera and 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 the boys and, and and like I
15: said, everybody who knew him and loved him. Yeah. Uh, which I don't think too many people ever met him that didn't love the guy right away, you
5: know. No, even when he was a pain in the ass, you still...
15: Yeah. Oh, when he was drunken out of hand sometimes, you know, he could be a handful, but but he was still a riot. He was, uh, you know, he, he was almost like Davy Mack in that uh, sense, you know what I mean?
5: Well, that's why it was like no surprise at all that those guys became bosom buddies. <laughs> uh, they were literally cut out of the same cloth.
15: Guys that just love to party and, and and sometimes they get a little over the line and you're like oh god you know but but you always had a blast when you're hanging out you know and uh, and yeah I when I heard the news I was just like you know is this serious is this real you know because it's just so out of left field and I kind of lost contact over the past couple of years with with Pat and everything but the, uh, I'll, I'll always have great memories of him.
5: That is the strange things about that is like you really didn't need to see him all the time to feel uh really fond about him and I was really really touched uh I mean I you know fez uh had said uh, I'm at court so I get this text uh call me as soon as you get out and god I was in there less than less than an hour ago I was still in there so it's been less than an hour that I wow. uh, heard this news, and he had uh, Solera's number that she wanted to talk to me, and I haven't talked to Solera probably in a year. You know, but it, it just doesn't feel that way. You know what I mean? That it's almost a I don't know whatever those experiences are, but they just time doesn't play into it for me. You know?
15: Yeah, exactly. It's 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 that way with any real true good friend it doesn't matter how long it's been when you see him it's like it, you know it's like you never lost
2: contact
15: in any way whatsoever yeah it's crazy all
5: right thanks uh Back. i appreciate it buddy it was nice hearing from you today um wow so if you you are just tuning in we're live now um that the word came out today that we lost uh, one of our old and uh, of course funniest friends the Irish Yockey. Um certainly didn't plan on turning anything into an Irish wake here today certainly not for uh, somebody so young Here's everybody buddy, just John. Go ahead, John.
6: Oh, hey, guys. Um, I don't know. It's kind of hard to hear that somebody like Alki died. I mean, he's just such a great guy. And he and O.L. welcomed everyone into their homes. And it's such a great loss to everybody. Mm.
2: It, it,
5: it, you know, it's just so stunning, John. It's literally stunning when something... Uh, I don't know what it was about Alki, and even through all the illnesses that he had or whatever, it just felt like uh, he was bullheaded enough that this would go on for a long, long time.
6: Yeah, I mean, it's tough to see it uh, take him like this and so suddenly. All
5: right, thank you very much, John. Yeah, thank you, It's good to hear from you. Uh, here's Terry, you're on Hey,
9: buddy, it's been a long time since I've called in. It's been
5: forever, dude.
9: It has, and all of a sudden, like, I was just listening, and my heart is effing breaking right now. It's I've stayed in touch with him since you guys went down to D.C., couldn't get a hold of you guys really much anymore. And he invited me to his New Year's party, and it fucking sucks, and I couldn't fucking go, and now it's like I'm fucking breaking down. Yeah. Oh. It's, it's hard to see uh, friends go especially such young ones
5: yeah there's uh there's no doubt about that I uh I think I need to uh <clears throat> let me go over here to Mikey boy Mikey boy go ahead
6: hey guys this is this is just Tough to deal with. I mean,
14: I, I, it's unbelievable to me. Um, thinking about uh, one of the sort of the more notorious moments that Pat had was the the time when he was drunk and he was yelling at me, uh, and it got picked up on Pollock and got played on the show, and sort of became this big thing. And, and uh, what was kind of funny about that was that uh, you know it had been played on the air, and and uh, you know it had come from because I was moderating ronfest.net and. Pat didn't like something I'd done, and he was angry. And we banned him briefly. And <clears throat> and um, uh, what happened was, we had so many people coming to the boards to tell me that I was an asshole <laughs> that we literally had to buy a new server <laughs> because it just couldn't. So many people loved him so much um, that it just everybody came and throws and it just completely just killed the site for a while. And you know, and just that was the one moment we had where there was any kind of anger, I suppose. And, and he was mad at me that night, and. Never was again. It was like everything was fine, and he was the sweetest, nicest guy. Every time I saw him, I had a great time, and it was funny as hell. And, and I still just, just don't believe it. It's, it's unbelievable to me.
5: You know, uh, you bringing up that clip that we used to play a lot when we came back on XM. The beauty of that was I think that like he was hearing that the first time with everyone else. I'm not sure <laughs> he had a huge memory of it, but I remember one day we had the pal talk room on in here, and I'm playing that, and watching him on Pal Talk, just rolling, hearing himself do it.
6: Yeah, it was great. It was great. What was he?
5: What? What, what was he so mad about? The uh, Riley Luck? Uh... He, he
14: got. He got into some kind of. She was like a new mod at that point, and he got in some kind of fight with her, and she banned him, and he got angry about it. And I think Bobby Pantera saw the whole thing was just kind of a dumb thing, and he unbanned. Uh, his, uh, Pat, and then uh, I had just come back from a trip and I saw that he was being banned and unbanned, so I banned him and wouldn't let anybody else unbanned, not knowing the entire story at all. And, and I, I, not knowing the facts, I kind of jumped in when I shouldn't have, and uh, it just turned into this whole thing, and he was. Had been drinking that night and got very angry and had a lot of animosity towards me and to Riley.
10: So
5: All right, so this was actually recorded off Pal Talk and I don't know who who sent it to us. Mopulate
14: Chris. Life Chris actually recorded it.
5: All right, so this is... Uh, MLC had sent this to us but this was a very raw uh, Arishalki.
9: I have no problem with Riley. Luck. I don't even know who the fucking cunt is but for any of those fucking mods... To fucking ban me over some bitch that has been around for four fucking months takes a lot of fucking balls. And for Mikey Boy to give me a fucking message that says, I'm too tired right now, I'll deal with you in the morning. Fuck that shit. Fuck that. You deal with me now. I only fucking call in. I only fucking add to the show. I've only been friends with fucking Eastside Dave for six fucking years. For me to fucking be pushed aside and to still be banned in the morning is bullshit. Is absolute fucking horseshit. I don't fucking matter. Like, I don't fucking add anything. Some people that come out to those fucking Ron and Fez fucking parties come out and fucking want to say hi to me. (laughs)
5: That's fucking, that's seriously hysterical. Jesus Christ. here's our old buddy down to hey buddy
6: yeah how are you um I'm holding in there uh, you know how are you
5: uh you know stunned literally stunned right now
6: yeah um I just wanted to share a memory with Pat and I can't say that I was like really close to him I met him a handful of times and I always felt like he didn't like me and one time he actually called me out on why I didn't say hello to him at the Rockahula luau, and I told him, and he's like, fuck that shit. Next time you see me, we will talk. And after that, he was just an awesome person to ever see and talk to. And, uh, he, he's missed. So you, And I you, only went to events to see him.
5: Yeah, that's the way he, uh, that's the way he remembered it. That was the beauty of it.
6: Yeah, yeah. And there's like, and he's like, none of that crap matters that we talk about on the board. What matters is we all get together and have laughs. And, uh,. Uh, the the world's sadder uh, it's a sad it's not as a fun place right
5: now no it doesn't feel very fun today no it doesn't feel very fun today um, thanks a lot buddy. It is a run fest show. I'm talking about the fact that we lost uh one of the real legendary members of uh, the community that started at NEW. Um, and the odd thing there was even when O&A were suspended and Rana Fez were sent to um, DC that people like Alki kept that community going. Um, I've kind of brought up before on the air that I always have a tendency to judge men um, by the women that love them. And I can honestly tell you um, that Alki got the woman that everybody wanted (laughs) from the word go. And when, uh, I'd known Alki before I believe I knew Solera, and then I kind of knew them separately at first, and then when Alki hooked up with Solera, uh, he started combing his hair, like a little kid. He was happy, uh... To get there and there was more than a few people that were jealous about the fact that uh, that they hooked up together and I thought it was just great they were a great great couple they are a great great couple I'm going uh, to need to take a I'm going to need to take a break here I'll be back in just uh, a couple of minutes it's the round of show it's the uh, Ron and Fez show on uh, a heartbreaking day for all of us uh, here. Uh, we just uh, found out today that we lost uh, one of the people who's been a great friend to our show and O&A show for over 10 years, have been involved very, very much in the community through so many different ways, Irish Alki, and on hold right now. ...is his wife, Solera. And we're going to go over and talk to her. Hi, Solera.
13: Hi. Hi, Ron. Hi, Fez. Hello. Hi. Sweetie. Thank you. We love you, too. Thank you. Thank you very much. And thank you very much. I never expected to get to be on this end of phone call... I always like to make you guys laugh. I don't like to hear any of, them, any of you cry. <laughs> Thank you very much. It's wonderful listening. That was awesome.
5: Solera, who's with you today?
13: Oh, my God. Everybody just came in. Liza and Casey and... My sister, Dizzy, and the dom and Vagabond Souls is here, and Pristine is here. Eddie's here. Everybody, I think, is going to be some type of Mecca thing happening. Everybody who comes waddling over, we assume they're coming. <laughs>
5: <laughs> the sad thing know. is, all those people would have been there anyway.
13: That's... <laughs> I know. I know. It's really not you. My neighbors kind of figured something was wrong because we're in front crying instead of like causing a scene. But... <laughs>
5: Instead of putting a tent out there.
13: Oh, Jesus. No, the tent's usually in the back. But <laughs> uh, I'm going to go to the funeral home uh, later and make the arrangements, and I guess I'll put that information out there for whoever's interested in, in coming. Everybody's always welcome, you know.
2: Mm.
13: Um, but yeah, it was very sudden. He was well. We, spent, we had the two years of him being well, and... We got to take home for kindergarten, and, you know, we got to make plans and stuff, so. And as usual, it kept me laughing. When I wasn't laughing, I was pissed off or over. one of the three. That's true. Uh, and, um, we love you guys very much, and you're right. It's not a day that passes. It's not a year that passes. You guys are family and you always make us feel welcome and we hope we return that to you to everyone.
5: Solera, just being around you guys for these past 10 years has been amazing and you two have been endlessly entertaining together. There's just so much fun. I'm the
13: luckiest girl on the planet. Yeah, I got to marry my best friend. I got to see him survive and live and, and we got to make our baby together he was a great stepdad. He was a pain in the ass. He drank too much. His sleep went off. He did everything bad. But when, when he made you laugh, you were able to forgive everything. And he made people laugh a lot. He wonderful. did. No, I'm, I'm sad, but I'm happy. Cause I know he did a lot more than many people his age were able to do. There's a two of us really. I married our best friend and we, we made it through a lot of bad things and we managed to smile all the way through it and neither of us are miserable and neither of us wallow in what's wrong with our lives. It's just you know, what's left for me to pick up and decide tomorrow the day after I got to go to work, I got to give Colin, you know, a life. I got to make him remember that his dad always made him laugh, you know, and that's it. And I'm lucky I have a whole bunch of friends to do that with. And I really appreciate what you guys are doing and letting people call in, because it's wonderful to hear that everybody felt the same way about him.
5: Everybody was crazy about him, really. And as a matter of fact, Dave is going to uh, probably cry, because he thought that that was his best friend, and now you're taking him <laughs> away from Dave.
13: What Jeff said that him and Dave have to watch their backs. Cause it was, I know. As it was Alex. I that me uh, okay, uh, too. am kind of getting sick of burying people my age, but yeah.
2: you
13: know, everything happens for a reason. You know. I would suggest if anybody's in a relationship right now and thinks that so and so is annoying, they can't deal with it. You just realize that the time you have with them is very precious. And we just have to focus on the good that we bring each other. Isn't that
5: the funniest thing? That it's, it's hard to do that, and then that's the only thing that makes sense. It's the only thing in the world that makes sense.
13: Pat and I weren't perfect. <laughs> we weren't.
5: But your we ass always was, Solera. You always had a perfect ass.
13: <laughs> I don't know. Oh, uh, that was kind of getting you know the my thirties were hitting me lately, but he kept telling me it was nice, so mm-hmm. that's how that's how you stay married <laughs> that is <laughs> true. I really hope you guys can make it. I'll call in with the information. I don't want to bring this show down
5: not at all, not at all. This is the show.
13: <laughs> Thank you very much
5: all right bye bye, sweetie. Love you. I love bye. you too so much. bye um that is uh, one of the funniest smartest sexiest and strongest women that I've ever met in my life and Alki was the guy who got her I cannot think of a better thing to be known for I cannot think of a better thing to have your Life's legacy it would be the guy who got that girl. I uh, brought him up just a couple of minutes ago, um, and it's our own East Side Dave. And I'm just going to tell you uh, this really quick story before I bring Dave on with us. Uh, when Solera uh, and <laughs> And Alki were to stand for Dave and Casey at the at their wedding at the Hard Rock. And uh, uh, Wiki was uh, behind the whole thing. I was acting like he was, I don't know, some kind of a wedding expert or whatever. But he was so upset that their kid, Alki and Solera's kid, was running around on stage during the wedding. And to all of us, we were just laughing our asses off because we love kids. But I guess if you're um, somebody who likes everything to go perfect, it seemed like the world was crashing down on Wiki. And then the other thing about that day that I'll always love, Alki was very, very sick uh, for that wedding and was really thin at the time, and I believe was walking with a cane, um, and it took everything he had to be there for Casey and Dave's wedding. But as the ceremony was going on, I think he needed to go over and sit, and uh, so he left his best man post and went over towards the back. So now in all the pictures, it looks like black girl is Dave's best man. And I always laugh my ass off. Every time I see that, um, here he is, the uh, person that was as close to Alki as anybody in uh, that we know. Uh, Eastside Dave.
6: Hey, Ryan B. What's up? I I tur- actually turned to my right, and I wanted the fucking ring, and Alki had been replaced by a huge black guy. <laughs> And I was like, "What the fuck is going on here?" <laughs>
5: Out of all the wacky things that happened that day, I don't know why that was one of my favorite.
6: It was also the one that threw the entire me and all my mom and everyone for a loop because even Beanie was like, "Wasn't uh wasn't Patrick supposed to give you the rings?" Everyone was all confused. It was fucking. It was great though.
5: Can we Photoshop? <laughs>
6: uh, Earl and Alki, just insanity. Uh, I'm like, you know, I, I mean, I, I haven't even got to listen, unfortunately I haven't listened to the show, because I was, I've been communicating with my wife and, uh, taking care of the kids, because she went up to Sierra because, you know, they're really close, yeah. you go up there, I mean, I'm not going to do any, I'm not going to be fucking a help right now, because, you know, I mean, I think you did. Do- Obviously, it's just, you know, just a crazy level of shock. But, um, you know, there's a couple. I mean, so little Collin and shit, Lil Alki will be the fucking... Uh, he really looks like Pat to me. Like, Scary. every time. Yeah. And so, it's weird, because... You know, but I mean, I want to say, well, he'll live on and this and that, and but at the same time, I mean, no, I didn't see this coming. They were just over for the our kids just had a fucking birthday party, literally two weeks, three weeks ago, and they were over the house. And he, he was fantastic. He was in great spirits, great shape. I mean, it's just, it's just crazy. It's just way too much to comprehend. I just and the stupid thing is, I'm driving home, right? And uh driving home this morning, and uh, and um, so the only thing that's on my mind is the, the most pointless, like shit, possible. I go, okay, well, I have the new brand new fucking stuff, guy, that I'm gonna put up and and everything. And so I'm just going through my goddamn bed when my wife calls me. Yeah. Uh, it just puts everything like, what f- stuff just, it's just, they just, no. you, know, you know, you know, what the, f- I mean, these stupid
13: little
6: videos, it's just, it's all silliness, so, I don't know, it's very tough. And, you know, it's tough because my wife's fallen, and then, I'm upset, and we got the two little kids, so I don't know what to like say to them, you know. But I don't know if it's the right thing to say. Our friend, uh, your your friend Patrick, you know, Colin's dad. Well, he, you know, he just died. You know, I don't know how to have that conversation. I don't know. It's just all of a sudden. You know, we've had deaths, of course, you know, with Alex and shit like that, but. Oh boy! Uh, you know, it, it, I the you, one. Thing, you know, Dave. This crazy. could always help,
5: though, when you're talking with little kids like that. My parents yeah. always used to say it was because I was too loud and ran around too much, and that's why we lost people. <laughs> and that would kind of keep me settled down for a while.
6: <laughs> well, you know, uh, I you know, I just I can't stop thinking about Bar Nine stuff. That's to me the thing. Even you know, even though. I mean, it, isn't that, that weird? That, that, to me is the main thing, yeah. because so much stuff developed from that thing. I mean, Chris, it's like you know how they have the coaches tree in the NFL, and it used to be this Bill Walsh, and now it's kind of Mike Holmgren and all these different guys. You know, there was a coach. To me, it was like you know, obviously the Ron Fes, probably Ron Fed, and then Bar Nine, and then there's like that. That's the tree. Because so much, so many connections were made from those things, and I just can't stop thinking about them. I can't stop thinking about you know all these little fucking dumb little stories. You know, when emerging from bar nine and Alky, it would point out that, you know, I would put in the He was the first one to know that I would put in a half-eaten chicken nugget into my pocket and right. stuff like that. And then, me, you know, just staying out oh, before I met my wife on the break from west side, I'm just, you know, I was just basically like uh some just awful fucking the guy who, who wouldn't, you know, remember the old John Belushi SNL, yeah. the guy who wouldn't leave. That that was me. I would stay over. I would go over a Friday, and it would be 7 o'clock at night on a Sunday, and they'd be like, are you going home
5: soon? Yeah. I do remember all that, too. You know, uh, the other thing about Alki is I don't remember how it's said, but he always tried to say to me that he was the one that brought Frenchie to the show. And I don't know if there was even truth to that. <laughs> Like Now, looking back on it, I'm not even sure how all that came down.
6: You, you fucking know the Irish and our boats, Mr. B. Yeah. You have to remember what kind of peoples we are, you know? Um, yeah, we've taken credit for a lot of things that haven't, um, you know...
5: You know, I, I was also thinking back, and uh, like you... I was actually in a grand jury thing, and then my phone starts to kind of go off with, hey, call me as soon as you can. Hey, make sure you call me. I get something to talk to you about. Yeah. And I'm like, all right, I know this is bad news. I don't exactly know what it is. But yeah. in uh, my immediate thoughts went back to just the times uh that you were... Talking about, and you know, the thing is, I think the reason why we all kind of liked Alki so much is because he liked everybody, even the people that he was fighting with. Absolutely, he was crazy about them
6: Yeah, 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 yeah. Well, that was, you know, I mean, it was, it was right before, you know, like message boards, we, you have to wear like a certain emblem on your shirt and so you have to and then that, it was pre those times where you don't, you just had people, even though there was a little bit of a computer action it was just people who like who would get along. I remember that uh, the first time, I wasn't uh, I, I remember thinking you know, this guy who looks like John Cusack but he's dressed like Eminem, because remember he used to wear those handkerchiefs on his head.
5: Yeah, right. <laughs> I remember that. <laughs> I forgot about that till right
2: now.
6: Remember? I remember. What was that like, for? And, and I remember because I said to Wes, uh, I said, you know, this fucking guy is like a Dan Cortez. That 's like ninety three like dan court that 's like a ten year that 's an eight at least eight it was two thousand and one so that 's an eight year old look with the with the handkerchief on that but uh you know, and I think that just for that reason like i said, and then I talked to him like, oh, this, this guy's the best, and his, his chick is the best and she was always when you would go into and i mean i, I guess i didn 't really set up or not i 'm sorry i 'm all fucking confused right now, but you know. The, the WAW, you know, whatever fucking bar that we would hang out on Tuesdays. So we would go in there. I remember seeing, like, you know, or else, how could, how could the not, how could the light not be totally shining on her? Like, every time you walked in. I know. Straight man or, or gay men or whatever, just the chicks. That was always where, it, and she, she was always, the, she was the nicest person in the room as well. Right. And, and, and that's, that's why, and their parties, their New Year's Eve parties, and this and that.
5: And Everybody was, was always invited. And then the other thing is, how many strays ended up in that house? Not just you, but how many people, Dave, over the yeah. year did those guys take in?
6: I, I I think Brian Dawkins has built a deck uh, at this point, or a, a, at least put up the fishing to their, ba- their basement. And Brian Dawkins has been in there so much. I think his last name is Alki, currently. Like she and, and that's cool. Like she's cool with that. He's cool. Everyone's cool with it. That that's what's amazing. And you know, and I honestly really think Alki was he was probably the biggest reason for that. You know, I. Like, <laughs> You take bringing straight, I think he was, you know, he, he was the guy who was like, this guy needs a place to stay. Let's let's invite him over, this or that, you know.
5: Have you, um, have you talked to uh, Jeff yet?
6: No, I haven't talked to any single person, not one person except for my wife. Why, what's Jeff going <laughs> on? No,
5: no, no, not in a bad way. I was just thinking of all the people that, of course, you know, like sheepy, just people that's just coming back in my mind that are just going to be, uh...
6: Well, I in mean, there's a lot of would I can talk about, but you know, talk to, I mean, about this. But um no, I really have. I, I've been. I turned off my phone for the longest time because I just was like, you know, I can't. You know, I put the kids up since I'm watching them. I'm not going to deny that I jerked off a little bit. Okay.
5: Why? Why would you do that?
6: Well, I mean, some would say it's in bad taste, but you know, I, I'm very stressed out. I'm not going to say that, you know, it wasn't black and white cum suckers, my all-time favorite. But I had to do something, and then I just went All right. to sleep. Yeah. All
5: right. so you remember the scene in Big Chill when, you know, people would get the phone calls and how they would react to it, and, you know, at the very beginning, heard it through the grapevine scene. Your yeah. scene would have been fall on your back, put in black and white cum suckers, and jack off to it?
6: Yeah, that's, I mean when you put when you put it like you know, it sounds a little on the crash side, you know, but what, I mean that is what uh that is what it did. Um, you know, I think uh oh whatever.
8: <laughs> you didn't yell
5: out this is for you, Alki as you were spurting. <laughs>
6: no. So, it was I, I uh couldn't finish for a while, so I just stopped. But then I have Astro Glide all over my hands. It's a big production. And, you know, you don't want it to stop. So then I continued a little bit later. But, I mean, anyway, here this, 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 the main thing is that... Uh,
5: Dave, uh, I want to play something for you right now. Okay. And this is uh, a Thanksgiving um, show where we all got together and talked about this stuff. And I think this is where... Um, Alki was just coming back from the first time he was really yeah. sick. So we'll just, uh, and we haven't had a chance to even listen to this. Hicks just went and grabbed it, and we'll give it a listen now. And then here's our buddy Irish Alki. Alki,
9: how are you, my friend? I'm doing good. Good. I guess if the one thing I could be thankful for this year is I, actually, and anybody in my condition over the past year, if they could be lucky enough to marry a woman Aww. that I did, they probably would never have the shit. No. You got And them. without her, everything that I've been through this year would have been a lot harder to deal with. Sure. This is my best fez impression and I'm sorry. <laughs> Doing a hell of a job,
2: yeah.
9: <laughs> Alky for third mic.
8: Alky. <laughs> <laughs> is there anything you want to say to Riley Luck? <laughs> Happy Thanksgiving cunt. Oh, wow.
5: Happy Thanksgiving cunt. Um that was Elkie. But <laughs> wasn't it beautiful that, you know, we we bring up Solera. Yeah. He got it. You know what I mean? Like, he knew.
6: Yeah, he did. He absolutely did. I mean, it, it, he'd have to be, told. you know, retarded, you know. Um, and, you know. <sighs> but, uh, yeah. I don't know what the fuck is going on with us. I mean, us. Just everybody like we she's the same age as me for Christ's sakes, there's you a know, lot of people
5: saying you're next, dude, and
6: I'm number three, baby, like Tim Morrison told his fucking told Robbie Krieger yeah drinking was number three
5: and uh that way the chicks will all be ready to go off into some kind of crazy Charlie's angel things, <laughs> <laughs> they'll start sleeping with Jersey Shore dudes. I don't know, it won't matter
6: you know uh oh no they' they're they're gonna they're gonna do what we all dreamed of and they're just gonna start hooking up with each other, I think. They just yeah, they have to get rid of me and Jeff. And then uh it's gonna be a, a party time for those for those girls. So.
5: Well Davy Mac, thanks uh thanks for talking to us today. And I'm 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 sorry for you and I'm sorry for me and I'm sorry for everybody, everybody. Yeah. I'm sorry for everybody and most of all to um of course, most Solera.
6: Of, most of all, Ralph and I mean, Solera and uh, and Colin. Because yeah. I can't believe it, you know. But the good thing is, we have the, the, everyone rallies around within seconds. Is, it was it's it sounds like it's Woodstock over there, and she. You know, the good thing is that maybe that is a good thing that we do meet each other through the show and all that stuff and. Then do you have a bigger community that you can depend on for fucking moments like this?
5: Um all right, Davy Mack. I'll let you all get right, back man. to your kids. Make sure they're not in the backyard or run up the street or anything.
6: No, no, I know. Okay. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Thank you, Mr. B. Thanks. See you guys.
5: Talk to you later, pal. Um Well, like I said, I just heard this not even two hours ago that uh, we lost our old buddy. Uh, we lost the Irish hockey. And I think what Solera said is the, the only lesson that you can uh, live is that, uh, that whoever you happen to be with right now, appreciate it. Because it can be gone really, really quickly. And uh, God bless them. Um, To the Irish Yockey. Have
0: one for them.
13: For the wind also oh, younger than the sun yeah, the bonny boat was one as we sail into the mystic. Oh, I can now hear the sailors cry, smell the sea and Feel the sky. Let your soul and spirit fly into the
9: mystery. And where that foghorn blows, I will be coming home. Mm-hmm. Yeah, when the foghorn blows. Wanna
1: hear I don't have the fear that I want to rock your gypsy soul Just like way back in the days of old
13: And magnificently we will fall into the best thing
9: Be coming home.
1: i okay.